get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Character Smallman, Danny Mac. I'm 101 ESPN 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hi, guys. What's up? It's up to you. It's your show. Oh, that's it? That's it. You just want to say good morning and that's it? Uh, well, good morning. Um, not great. No, this is not. This is kind of depressing. This is sad. Uh, Randall, if Michelle, Emily, good morning. Oh, Dan's being a pro. Good morning, be a Dan. Pro. You're you're always gotta, a pro. Got to turn the page. You, you know what, That's Randy? That's a tough one to turn the page from. <laughs> yeah, that. Not, it was an entertaining game. There was a lot of drama, a lot of suspense. That was we an were, awesome baseball game. It drama. was an awesome baseball game. We were on the edge of our seat yep. until... The ninth inning? Yep. If you had to go to bed at 9 o'clock last night and you aren't aware of it, the Cardinals fell to the Dodgers 3-1 to one on a bottom of the ninth inning dramatic home run by Chris Taylor off of Alex Reyes. And we're going to talk about this game throughout the course of the morning. But the story of the game, kids, is going to be that the Cardinals, while pitching great and a virtuoso performance by Adam Wainwright before he was taken out, the Redbirds went 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. They had their opportunities and simply couldn't take advantage. We're going to dive into, I'm sure, every single angle of this game, and a lot of people are going to point to the decision by Mike Schultz to bring in Alex Reyes. But I'm with you, Randy. They had their they had their opportunities to steal this game, especially early when they got to Max Scherzer. They had a great approach versus Scherzer. I, I thought that he looked super vulnerable early on, and they could have really put the nail in the coffin, and they just couldn't capitalize. Yeah, I think there's decisions that we can go back and look at with Mike Schilt and everything is open for debate because that's baseball. You can question it. You're sitting at your couch or wherever you're watching the game saying, man, I wouldn't bring Alex Reyes in this spot. I would this guy in this inning. I get all that. And that's open for debate. And I'm sure, like you said, we're going to, to get into it. I question the pitch selection that uh, they went with with uh, Alex Reyes. To me, his best pitch is his fastball and I don't like to see him getting beat on a, on a slider. But to the greater point of this, you know, Chris Taylor down the stretch, who hit the game-winning home run, was 8 for 72 down the stretch. He had been terrible. The other thing was Cody Bellinger had been terrible all year, and you walked him with T.J. McFarland. That can't happen. And it's the irony of the season. What kind of gets the Cardinals there late? What was the one thing or a couple of things that you looked at this year on the negative side? Walks for half the season. Mm -hmm. It was terrible. And Alex Reyes in the second half with some crushing defeats at the end of games. And that's what happened last night. But to your point, Randy, the manager can do all he wants. You can put this guy here, that guy there, bring in this guy. But when you go for 11 with runners in scoring position, that's not the manager. Tyler O'Neill and Nolan Arenado went 0 for 8 combined. Those are your 
two of your three big guys. Tommy Edmond had, what, three hits? Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, Dylan Carlson, the other two. The only Cardinals with hits. Edmond, Goldie, Carlson. The offense wasn't there. The Cardinals did score first. We've talked a lot during the course of the last couple of days about Tommy Edmond and his success against Max Scherzer. Well, he leads off the game with a base hit. Paul Goldschmidt with a walk. Edmond moves up on a foul out by Tyler O'Neill, And Max Scherzer on the mound with a runner on at third base. Here's the 0-2. And that gets away from Smith. Coming home, Edmund. He will score. And the Cardinals strike first on a wild pitch. Okay, so Tyler O'Neill had already fouled out. 0-for-1 with runners in scoring position. Arenado flies out. 0-for-2 with runners in scoring position. Carlson reaches on an error by Corey Seager. 0-for-3 with runners in scoring position. And then Yachty flies out. After the first inning, you're already 0-for-4 with runners in scoring position. And we talked about that yesterday, that that was a key to the game. If you could jump on Max Scherzer early, if you could get an early lead, which they did, but if you could really pile on, that was going to be a massive key to this game for Adam Wainwright to go out there with with a big lead, and they did get one run in the first, but I don't know, when Max Scherzer looks mortal, Mm -hmm. that early on in the game, you have got to capitalize on that. I was uh, watching the game with my son and and my oldest, and we, we both said to each other, Max Scherzer in the first inning, after I watched him throw about 10 pitches, I said, he is not quite, he's good tonight, don't get me wrong, he's good. But he's not great. He's mm-hmm. not to the dominant Max Scherzer. I said, I think they can get to him. And you scratch on a run, maybe two, and you got a chance. We'll see how Wayno pitches tonight. I thought Wayno was fine. Um, we have a texter that brings up uh, a really good point. Um, neither team advanced with a runner in scoring position with a hit. Not L.A., not St. Louis, not until the very end. That's exactly right. And so it's October baseball, and that's a great point by the texter, and um, it takes one one wild pitch, one misplay, one big hit, and then the game is over. And that's what you had last night. It was just, I thought, you know, and again, we're going to talk about this all morning, uh, the various decisions. I just thought it was, in general, just a fabulous baseball game. Great. So third inning, Goldie singles. O'Neal strikes out. Arenado moves Goldie up with a ground out, but Carlson strikes out, or grounds out. So the Cardinals miss an opportunity there. Both starting pitchers settled in until the leadoff hitter against Adam Wainwright in the bottom of the fourth. Wainwright deals. Turner in the air left field. So the game's 1-1, and guys, I thought the fifth inning was the key. Edmund gets another base hit. Goldie walks, so you've got runners at first and second. And you're thinking, okay, we got the best part of the lineup up here. We've got runners in scoring position. Tyler O'Neill steps up to the plate. He strikes out. Arenado grounds out into a fielder's choice. So you've got Edmund... uh, at third, out at third, Goldie at second with Arnato at first, and Carlson at the plate. Full count, do it again. Runner goes, swing and a miss. He struck it out. And you're right, that was a key. Yeah. I, I thought you, you've got, in fact, I, I tweeted, you, you can kind of feel this coming, but it didn't come. So, <laughs> fifth inning, cards offense. Uh, two on, nobody out, and Scherzer strikes out O'Neal. O'Neal was really over-anxious in the game last yeah. night. Mm-hmm. I think you could see that. Uh, he had some odd at-bats. Those were not the at-bats that he took in September, but you're going to get that sometimes with a young player. And then our old buddy Joe Kelly comes in. Joe Kelly is healthy again. 
and he is flat out nasty. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Holy smokes, does he look good. He looked great in St. Louis in uh, early September, and he had the surgery in his first year in L.A. Last year was an okay year for him, and then this year, really good, but I'll tell you what, he looks yeah. awesome. Like, that's a back-end guy that I, if I'm a team out there and I need a closer, and if he's looking for big money, I say, hey, Joe, you want to do some closing? Because he's been in these big postseason games. He's yeah. been really good, and he was great last night. Guys at bullpen, oh. you're right. Kelly is unreal. Brewster Gratterall is in there throwing yes. 100. And then Trinan, Knable, and Kenley Jansen, their last three pitchers and their last three innings, have each had a season of at least 38 saves. They've got essentially five closers taking over for Max Scherzer. And so you go to the bottom of the ninth inning and you bring in Alex Reyes. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, here's it, here it is. Reyes <laughs> fires. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. This is way back. Walk him off. Chris Taylor. So when you look at that situation and fans are saying now, where is Gallegos? So, mm-hmm. which was my first question. We're doing the post game last night on Valley Sports, and I said, "Now wait a minute. You double switch to Young in the game, and you do that for a couple of reasons. One, you're trying to get a bat up immediately, and you have to hit. And they had that with DeYoung. Then, and also Sosa was shaky defensively. But then the other part of this is that you're looking at multiple innings out of your potentially multiple innings out of that reliever coming in. And if you're if you're going for it with Gallegos in the eighth, and I did like that move. I, I think it, you you play aggressively with that move. Um, where is he in the ninth, and why isn't he in there? Well, and I said immediately, I said, boy, Mike Shield needs to answer that question, and he did. Right, one of the first things he said. And Gallegos, by the way, had a nail issue for Mm -hmm. those of you waking up this morning and wondering why isn't Gallegos still in that game so he had a nail issue uh, and then you had McFarland start the inning which I'm okay with I I just I'm more of a McFarland guy with runners on I I love seeing him come in with that sinker and get ground balls if he needed double play Uh, and he gets the first two and by the way how about the drama for all of us in St. Louis, uh, when Albert came up, I yeah. was like, oh, this is, right. here we go. Yeah. I think everybody thought it was over at that point. I did. Point. I was like, he's going to hit a bomb here. For sure. I, I said mean, that to BT. He has risen to the occasion yes. more than any athlete mm-hmm. we have ever, likely ever seen. Yeah. And he steps into that box versus the Cardinals with the game on the line. I think everybody in St. Louis went, all right, here we go. It's Against done. a lefty. Yeah. Which exactly. is why he, you know, Dave Roberts saved him for that spot. Yeah. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. And can you imagine if this guy does it? And and then he gets him and there was two hard hit balls. And then Bellinger, who has not been good this year, he got the walk and you can't walk him in that spot. No, you can't. You know, and, and that was the key at that point. And then you bring in Reyes and I know fans are going to be frustrated this morning waking up, and I get it. Why are you using Alex Reyes in that spot? I don't, at least for me, I'm not going down in that game without seeing arrested Henesis Cabrera. Now, people are saying, you know, Randy, you were saying to me, well, maybe the the finger was, we were off the air talking about, maybe the finger, which he had an issue with, and he's had an issue with a cracked nail even last week. He's Mm -hmm. had times the last couple of years. Well, he's on your roster which you submitted in the morning. So you got to think, okay, he's healthy. And he was up and throwing at one point in the, in warming up in the bullpen earlier in the game. So I don't know. I mean, you, you can second guess that all you want. Alex Reyes, you're not in that spot without him. But, boy, it's 
I don't know, man. I, I, that's just that's a tough one for me. And you have to set it up if you're a manager. Probably before the game, you're going to have somebody that you say, okay, I need a guy to get the last out. Because they didn't use Cabrera, if they had scored in the 10th, you think it was going to be Jack Flaherty? to pitch the bottom of the 10th? Or is it Cabrera? Do they bring him in whether he's compromised or not? Is it Dakota Hudson? Well, I, I wonder who the closer would have been. Correct me if I'm wrong on this because um, a lot of things run through my mind here. So with the double switch, I do believe the pitcher spot was due up fourth if he got to the 10th. Yes, that's correct. So, yeah, let's you had- say you get a man on. You get a man up. Okay. <laughs> you're going to have to you're not going to have Alex Reyes hit. So, essentially, you're asking Alex Reyes to get one out to send you to the 10th, potentially. You know, so at that point, am I going Dakota Hudson for multiple innings? Maybe. And we do don't have the second no, base probably, rule. You know I'm, what? I'm, I'm, just I'm saying, going Cabrera I think, at, that okay. po- at that spot. And we don't have the second base rule in the postseason. Correct. So it would have been a real inning. Right. So if Cabrera isn't compromised, that's the guy. One of the other questions I had, and it is an interesting move. This is the one move of all of them that I think was for me. I don't know about you guys, but I just didn't quite understand when you know runs are going to be at a premium and you have Adam Wainwright hit for himself. So Wainwright hits for himself and he gives you then after he comes up and grounds out with a runner on, um, I would have pinch hit for him there because the next inning he gets the first guy and then a little dribbler up the third baseline and you take you, you take him out i didn't understand that like if i'm sticking with wainwright to hit for himself then i'm going with wainwright to get me the next three outs because i don't want to waste that at bat and i understand that guys are dealing on the other side but you never know somebody walks into one and you you needed offense and they walk into one and get you an extra base hit, get you a home run. I mean, every out is just so crucial. I don't want to give that away with Wayno at the plate. I'm with you. I, I was wondering why not leave him in to face Justin Turner. I know the home run earlier, but to and your And that's why, I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure that that was the thought process. But to your point, I'm thinking, then why didn't you just hit for him earlier in the right, end, two batters Justin ago. Justin Turner was hitting Just, third. You knew what Justin Turner was coming up. Yeah, and, and, and Justin Turner had been crushing breaking balls all year. Well, Wayno's best pitch, breaking ball, and that's what he hit earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, Michelle, I think that I'm saying, like, I've got, I'm looking at it from my offense, and I don't have a lot of offense going. And that's one out that if I I don't care if it's Carpenter, Newt Bar, Juan Yepes, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But it's a position player that might walk into one, and it gives me a better shot than Adam Wainwright at the plate. And I had no trouble with it because as a manager, I, I at the time, I had no trouble with it because as a manager, you make a determination, okay, who's my best pitcher for the bottom of the sixth? If he is indeed your best pitcher for the bottom of the six, then you let him face Justin Turner. That's my yeah. exactly. That's yeah. why you. That's kind of what I'm saying. Right. Like so you leave him in because you think he's going to get the next three outs, and then you save your bullpen for one more inning. Yeah, you, you have to be, and I'm sure that Mike Schilt has his reasoning. But we've seen so many great managers here that are thinking an inning or two innings ahead. In my opinion. You have to have him for a full inning. You you can't have to utilize Garcia in, in that spot to get the last couple of outs of that inning. And the other part, and I'm going to go back to looking at it from my offense, because I love my bullpen. I really love that bullpen in a one game, one or, winner take all. Mm-hmm. I'm going short probably with my starter anyway. So, and I'm definitely probably not going to let my starter go through three unless he is just three times through a lineup, unless he's absolutely dealing like Blake Snell last year. 
the numbers are there. It's it's obvious. Third time through, you get it, you're going to get beat up. But I I just think your position player gives you that shot to walk into one. Now it may not have worked out, but I and then I start a reliever with a clean inning. And I like that, too. I would have preferred Reyes in a clean inning. I got no problem using Alex Reyes. The guy is filthy. He's a he's a hell of a pitcher. I just didn't like him yeah. in that spot. After the game, Adam Wainwright spoke to the media. You have to hear from Waino after one of his starts, and certainly after this start. His takeaways from this one? I, I just I felt like... I, I felt like we had a team that was going to win a World Series, honestly. Um, and we played a played a good game tonight. We, we played against a very good team. You know, they were they were like they are. I mean, they were you know they were relentless and and um, they're just you know they're a great competitor. They're a great compo- uh, opponent, and uh, they beat us. You know, we, we we had our chances. We talked about it. We had our chances to win that game, and and their pitching did a great job. Their defense did a great job, and, and uh, they got the big hit at the end. Guys, I love the optimism of Adam Wainwright, and I, I buy into it. But the fact of the matter is, in the last 61 years, since expansion in 1960, there have been 13 teams that have won as many as 106 games. And the Cardinals lost to one of them. They, lo- they lost to one of the best teams that baseball has ever seen, and certainly in the expansion era, and especially playing in a division where another team won 107 this year's edition of the Dodgers is one of the great teams that yep. anybody's ever seen true but to Adam Wainwright's point the Cardinals could have won that game yeah, they, they had their opportunities yep. it was not as if the Dodgers completely overpowered them or when you were watching that game it looked like the Cardinals never had a shot if anything the Cardinals beat themselves in a lot of ways last night yeah, you just have to give them I give the Dodgers a ton of credit and especially because of that bullpen if they beat the Giants I won't be surprised oh no I'm going with the Dodgers to win that series Um, I actually had said prior to the game last night I said if the Cardinals win last night they go to the World Series Mm -hmm. I really felt that way Uh, just watching how and having watched a ton of baseball in my life it is my life for seven months out of every year and watching every pitch They were coming together and had come together, and it was a different team. Now, that's why I wake up this morning. I I feel like maybe because of what you're saying, Randy, it's it's one of the best teams um, the National League has seen, and I completely agree with that. And the fact that you are fairly young, and this team is young, with the exception of Lester, Hap, Wayno, (laughs) some of the others. But the core group is young, um, for the most part. Like your outfield, I I think you figured that out. Molina's a little bit older, obviously, but Arenado Goldie are in the primes of their career. You're going to have a shot. Tommy Edmonds, a hell of a player. You're going to have a shot to be pretty good. And I think what we learned is that if this team, if you find pitching and people that throw strikes, you're going to have a chance to win. Now, with the Dodgers, look at what they've done now the last four years. So they eliminated the Cardinals last night. The year before, it was... uh, the, the Braves in seven, they couldn't get them. Year before that, who it was somebody that took them to six or seven. They couldn't do that. The Cubs in, what, 18 or yeah, 17? Year before, that was the Nationals when they knocked them out, right? That was the only team that's yeah. gotten them here in the yeah. last four years. I mean, they are the preeminent team in the National yeah. League. And you took them down to two outs in the, in the ninth and couldn't finish it off. But uh, I do like 
what I'm seeing, though, with the Cardinals. I think there's some bright spots going ahead. We'll get your mic drops as we go along during the course of the morning. But coming up, we've got a little addition, and I'm sure there's a lot that you're sick of. <laughs> sick of it. Coming your way. Get your text in now to 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line with Michelle, Dan, Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Get your text in now. It's only been eight hours, but I'm sick of not having Cardinal baseball. <laughs> it hits you right away. It sure does. It's it really the bloodstream does. as soon as you wake up. You're like, oh, man, it's the off season. Ugh. It's a it's a dreary day in St. Louis. Yeah. It's how we feel. Yeah. But at least we know that Nolan Arnauto isn't opting out. So that's a good thing. So you're down on Nolan after one one game. Oh no no no! Oh, okay. I'm, I'm saying you're being that serious. It's now. awesome that we're keeping him. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, because great. <laughs> there, remember one time during the World Series when A Rod opted out of the Yankees? It was I. It was in the middle of like game two or three. Right. I think it was in Denver. It was the Red Sox right. and the yep. uh, Rockies, and one of those games it was a sweep for the Red Sox. But yeah, the, he opted out and got another 250 million yeah. bones out of the. Uh, Steinbrenner. So and completely overshadowed the World Series. That totally night. overshadowed it. And that's when they started to say, I think they made a rule like privately saying, hey, uh-uh. Yeah. We ain't doing this. It's kind of like what happens right after Christmas in baseball. Like the GMs and the president of baseball operations essentially say, look, we can do deals, but we're not going to like actively go out and be, you know, I'm meet, I'm running this team and Michelle's got this and you got that and we're going to do a three-way deal. They're like, no, 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 no. We're all going to actually take a vacation and mm-hmm. be quiet. Yeah. You know, that's the way it goes. Oh, you mean to tell me the guy with the centaur painting of himself over his bed stole the thunder from the World <laughs> Series with a personal announcement? Doesn't okay. everybody? <laughs> yeah, what? That just... Wait, well, I like it. Why I are we the, surprised? What, what was the, uh, the magazine in which he's covering... Uh, he was kissing himself in yes. the mirror. Oh, yes. yeah. I think that might have been GQ or something. You really helped that. me out. I'm a little tired. I and understand. And you're connecting yeah. my dots. Thank it's, you. You got it. I got your back. You know what I'm sick of, guys? I am yeah. sick of Adam Wainwright giving the Cardinals really strong postseason performances that don't result in a victory. 2019 wasn't, NLCS. Wasn't he the starter in the Ishikawa game? I believe he was. I don't know, but he, he got a pretty important save in 06. True. That's true. But if we're looking at the full body of work. Oh, the full body work. I, when Adam Wainwright goes out there and he, he gives you outings like that, I am sick of them not being a win. Uh, Well, I can I play devil's advocate here? No, Dan, you're just supposed to accept what I'm sick of. Well, I, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I'll take it or leave it. I'll no, take go it. Go ahead. Play um, devil's at least they're in those positions. I would Great say point. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he pitched well. Um. And to think that if he's in this spot next year, he's 41 years yeah. old and your catcher's going to be 40. Wow. Ishikawa game 2014. Wayno, seven innings, two runs, four hits, struck out seven, walked two. And then Michael Walker finished that one off mm. for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trevor Rosenthal and Carlos Martinez waiting in the bullpen. Yes. They did. They had those two ready. Yeah. Really? And Walker hadn't pitched in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I just remember coming in. I don't remember the other time. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. Okay. Uh, I am sick of, and I think it's going to be the final time we're going to see it, but a one-game winner-take-all in um, 
in postseason, meaning I don't mind a game seven winner take all. Mm -hmm. I just like seeing a series. Now, I think that was best suited for the Cardinals last night. You had your your best guy on the mound um, making that start. But uh, I just love I love watching baseball. I love postseason. All these games are going to be fabulous going down the stretch here. And I think in the new CBA, you will not have it to where a 106-win team is playing all or nothing for one game. I think it's going to be a, a three-gamer or five-gamer, however they set it up. But And that'll be in the next CBA because – Everybody can make more money, and it's probably uh, more a lot more fair to those that uh, like the Dodgers that went 106. But that's kind of what I'm sick of. Just Good a one-game winner-take-all. I'd rather see a series. Let's get a couple of your texts, 65780. Emily, what do you got? From the 618, simply put, I'm sick of the Dodgers. Yeah. Fair enough. Sick of it's, them, too. They're... You're sick of them because they're good. And I know people are talking about their payroll, but who are the free agents? They've signed Bauer. Big money free agents for the Dodgers. They Scherzer. Bauer. Uh, he does a trade. For. Uh, um, Betts was a trade they, because of their farm system. For developed Will Smith, developed Bellinger, stole uh, Justin Turner, developed Seager, developed Muncie. Lux. Um, Traded for him or found, signed him. Yep, found, found Chris him. Taylor. Uh, they're just great. They're a really, really good organization. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. David Traded Price for David Price. Price. I, yeah. But the, the, their unlimited resources allow them, though, to have David Price right. in your bullpen. Yeah. And, but the, <clears> and, you, and miss on Trevor Bauer and take that right. chance and right. be embarrassed by him. Yeah. I thought you were saying at the end of the season, my bad. Oh, no, no, no problem. From the 636, Randy, I'm sick of Mike Schiltz. Schiltz what? It just says Mike Schiltz. Schiltz. Sergeant Schiltz? Yeah. Uh, They didn't lose the game last night because of the manager. And I I do think the manager's demeanor helped them overcome losing 80% of their rotation during June and July until they... We're able to level things out with the addition of the the four pitchers. I think Schilt did a really good job in getting this team to 90 wins. Somebody text, tweeted me the other day that I had said before the season when they had everybody that I thought they would win 90 games. So they win 90 games with losing 80% of their rotation at one point. Yeah, the manager didn't go 0 for 11 with runners in scoring no. position. Yeah. I, I, I'm a fan of Mike Schilt. I, I've you know, never been quiet about it, but I, I've known him since he was managing in the minor leagues and have appreciated the way that he goes about his business. And as much as fans want him to go berserk on post-game press conferences when you have a tough loss, and I understand that, you're in the moment, um, he's just not going to do it. He's just not publicly, more than likely, 99 out of 100 times, 99,000 out of a whatever that would be, out of a, that many times, he's just not going to do it. He's not going to embarrass guys. Yeah. He's not going to throw them under the bus. And fans want that instant, you know, they're upset too. And he's just not going to do it. You, it was, and no I, manager is, by the way. So that's the point, Randy. Um, talking with Al yesterday, we were walking out of Ballpark Village and he did the post game. And I said, and we were talking about this exact topic. And I said, could you imagine, I said, uh, the managers that you played for, whether it was Whitey or others, that have to go in front of the media, electronic media, and that stuff is carried live. 
I said, so the managers back then in the day dealt with Rick Hummel or another writer, and they'd go in the office, and they'd, they would sit there and go, this bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> Air it that's, out. <laughs> that's all off the record. Now here's what I'm going to say, because you have to face those guys. And the minute that you throw them under the bus, you're, you've lost them. They're not going to play for you. Mm-hmm. And so... He's got to face the media because that's part of the job, but he's not going to throw people under the bus. It's just not going to happen. Thanks for your texts. Coming up, Bob Nightingale of USA Today looking at last night's game and the next series on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, our friend Bob Nightingale covered the last night's game in L.A. for USA Today. And uh, nice enough to get up early to join us here on 101 ESPN on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Robert, good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, Randy. What a great game that was, huh? Yeah, that was wild. I mean, they, uh, you know, it's funny afterwards. I've been talking to the Cardinals players, and they were convinced they were going to win that game and go all the way to the World Series. Uh, you know, they put the Dodgers to the test. When uh, you know her six wins and, and out, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure the networks are happy. Bob Max Scherzer's two outings prior to last night, he gave up ten earned runs in ten and a third inning, and he looked mortal again last night. The Cardinals had a strong plate approach against him. What are your thoughts on Max Scherzer moving forward? Do you think he's shown any vulnerability these last three outings? Well, I think some fatigue is setting in for sure because uh, he has not been that sharp. And I think we'll see that you know, with a lot of guys, even uh, you know, Walker Bueller, who will start you know, game one for them in the division series against the Giants. You know, he hasn't been quite the same lately. Neither has Urias. So I just think it's that time of year. Hey, Bob, uh, this is Dan McLaughlin. Always good to hear your voice. Uh, looking forward to catching up in person, hopefully next year. But I am curious what you thought about bringing Alex Reyes in that spot in the ninth inning. A lot of fans here in St. Louis talking about that with his struggles in the second half of the season. And then I'm curious, too, what you thought about uh, Wainwright. You didn't pinch hit for him, but then he only gets you one out after that. What did you think of those two moves? Well, they were, you know, they were not hitting with guys in scoring position. They were all for 11. You know, runner in first, if he was on second base, uh, might be different. So, yeah, I know I know what you're saying. The fact that he got pulled the next inning, uh, he was pitching well. So, you know, I, I thought we might see Flaherty there in the uh, in the ninth inning, but, you know, we did it. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, the, the big... The big mistake was a walk to Bellinger. I mean, Bellinger's been a show himself all year, cannot hit lefties whatsoever. And a walk him, that, that was a horrible mistake. Bob Nightingale, USA Today with us. And before we talk a little bit about the Dodgers and the Giants coming up, what are your impressions of the Cardinals going forward with the addition of Arenado this year and uh, what they have coming back? Obviously, they need some help with pitching, but what are your overall impressions of the Cardinals as they close out 2021? Yeah, no, I think there should be a lot of momentum going forward. Uh, there's no reason why they can't be back you know, bigger and better than ever and they, uh, you know, and, and win that division. I think, yeah, I think they do need more starters uh, in that team, uh, you know, maybe uh, strengthen that base a little bit. But with the young outfielders, they did great. Uh, Arenado was solid, you know, struggled again, uh, you know, 
in the clutch in postseason. But, you know, at some point, he's got to get over that. I mean, Barry Bonds did it at one point, and uh, sometimes it just becomes a mental thing. So, yeah, they just got kind of cold the wrong time. And, you know, if they had won that game, I think they would have had so much momentum, they might they might have gotten the World Series. Bob, if you're Jamal Zalak, Michael Gersh, the Cardinals front office, what's your first order of business in the offseason? What do you think is the most glaring need for the Cardinals? I would get some more uh, starting debt for sure. You know, uh, there's a few guys out there. Uh, you know, Kevin Gosman from the uh, you know Giants is out there. Uh, Disclafini from the Giants. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, certainly you know Marcus Stroman. But there's not there's enough guys out there uh, that are available, and uh, you need, need some veterans and so you know some some young veterans. You know, who knows whether Lester or Hap will be back or if they retire. You know, they may just you know especially a lot of John Lester, may just call it quits. Uh, but, yeah, that's what the Giants did. They got to grab a bunch of guys or win your contracts, you know, and here they are seven months later. Bob Nightingale of USA Today is our guest. Um, what are you hearing about a CBA, Bob, with uh, – I think it's interesting when you get into postseason play, everybody gets together. Um, a lot of the national media that has so many contacts is talking uh, to, to those that are in the know. Um, how about a CBA, and when do you think we can get that announced? Well, yeah, I'm a lot more optimistic than uh, my brethren are. Uh, I think it gets done. I just think there's too much to be lost. Yeah. I think the fans will go nuts if there's even one spring training game that's canceled. So uh, I think it gets done the last hour. You know, look, it's uh, December 1st is the deadline. You know, spring training is until you know, mid-February. If it gets done December 8th or December 15th, you know, that's fine as well. But I think it goes to the end. And, I th- you know, I think the big thing from the, uh, the player side is two things. They want to make sure that younger players are paid more early on because when they're 30 a lot of teams aren't paying that money and when you look at a guy like Pete Alonso or the Mets you know it's a little silly that he's making more money at the home month derby than he is his uh, entire contract with the with the Mets and I think they want to make sure that teams are competitive you know I think they're tired of you know a team like the Baltimore Orioles has lost you know about 110 games you know the last three full seasons you know that that's got to stop Bob, as we approach this epic battle between a 106-win Dodger team and a 107-win Giants team, who do you give the edge to and why? Well, I still think the Giants, I mean, the Dodgers have more depth. And the Giants do have depth, don't get me wrong, but I guess the Dodgers have more star depth, more guys that have been there. Uh, both are without their all-star first baseman, Max Muncy for the Dodgers, and uh, Brandon Belt with the Giants. And I think it hurts the Giants more. The Giants need that type of thump. Uh, you know, as the Dodgers showed last night, you know, they can play without it. You know, if they want to, they can put pull holes at, at, at first base where the uh, Giants don't have that luxury. I just think the star power of the Dodgers is giving too much for the Giants. But, hey, the Giants have proved they've been wrong all season long. So what's in earn five games? And in the American League, we don't obviously watch the American League as much, but they've got some really good teams. And Houston kind of flies under the radar as one of the best teams in baseball. They do. You know, the rotation's been kind of banged up and uh, hurt. Uh, still got all the star power with that with that offense, you know, from, uh, you know, Correa and, and, and Bregman and, uh, and Altuve, you know, strong hitters. We'll see the young guys. I think the key is uh, the guy that goes tonight, Lance McCullers. I think they need him to pitch lights out every time. In the White Sox, you've got a great offense, too. Now, I, I think the uh, this series might be the most compelling. I mean, got 77-year-old Trey LaRusso against 72-year-old Dusty Baker. You know, we all know about their rivalry. But I think it'll be a real high-scoring, fun series. Bob, I uh, in 100% agreement with you. 
if we learn anything about this Cardinal season, uh, you can't have enough pitching, which is always the cliche with every single team. But the Cardinals, I thought coming out of spring, had enough pitching. They clearly didn't. I was wrong. A lot of people were wrong. So I'm with you in the offseason that they need to focus on some pitching. However, I also think they need to lengthen their lineup a little bit. Are there some bats? And I'm not talking about the guy that's going to make $300 million, but are there some second-tier guys that you would keep an eye on that you'd say, you know what, that's a good fit for the Cardinals? Well, sure, there's a nice first baseman available, you know, uh, you know but they already have uh, Paul Goldsmith. Now, we will have a DH next year, so it doesn't really matter what position they play. So if they want to add a, uh, you know, an Anthony Rizzo, uh, uh, I think a Kyle Schwarber would be a, a fabulous fit uh, over at Bush Stadium. Uh, you know, Nick Castellanos will probably opt out of his uh, contract with the Cincinnati Reds. So there's going to be enough uh, guys out there. Uh, Chris Taylor with the home run last night. Uh, he's a free agent. So you know, with the uh, with the DH position, you know, coming into effect next year, uh, you know, they can grab any, any position. So yeah, I, I agree. They could use one more bat, and that showed up last night. Uh, I think some of the young young guys just weren't quite ready, you know, from uh, Sosa. And, of course, uh, you know, O'Neal didn't look like himself last night either. What do you do at short if you're the Cardinals? And is Corey Seager, you think, a guy that would uh, be a fit? And if so, how much is that going to cost you? Well, I think Seager being represented by Scott Boris, I think he's going to look for at least $250 million. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a better shortstop than uh, Francisco Lindor, and he got 341. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy, you know, maybe a guy like Trevor Story, who was a, uh, you know, kind of down year for the Rockies. Uh, you know, great young kid. I don't see a hobby bias thing there. The guy I would go get is uh, Marcus Simeon. I mean, he just hit 45 home runs for the Blue Jays. Uh, great in the clubhouse. And he'll, he'll cost less because he's an uh, older player. But lights out. I mean, Oakland A's crumble without him. And he can, as you showed this year, can play third base or, I mean, shortstop or second. He's versatile enough to move around the infield. But he'd be a, a fabulous get at a fraction of the price. Bob, we always like hearing from you. Thanks so much for getting up and taking the time with us this morning. And enjoy the NLCS. All right. My pleasure. Take Thanks. care. See you. you guys. Take care. Thanks. And actually NLDS, but kind of feels like the NLCS. Yeah, well, I'm you're not jumping even ahead thinking of about Atlanta and Milwaukee. Well, you, maybe you need to get on the right page, Randy. Uh, I, okay, do your homework. Because I know you don't do a lot of research. I don't do any, Dan. You just come in here and let it fly. By the way, I was writing it Michelle's down. always doing the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I true. agree 100% that if the Cardinals can get a number one, number one, if they could get Max Scherzer, I would love it. But right now, you're looking at Wainwright, Michaelis, Flaherty, Reyes, Hudson, maybe Reyes as a starter, I don't know. Uh, and then they're going to stretch out Jordan Hicks as a starter as well. Then down in the bullpen, Gallegos, you'll have Helsley back. You'll have Luis Garcia back, hopefully. Cody Whitley, Cabrera, McFarland. And I would use Libertor like they used Wayno in 2006. Next year, just have him in the bullpen and getting his feet wet at the major league level. You're probably not going to have KK or Hap or Lester or Martinez back. Maybe one of those guys. Maybe. You know, if I'm Happ and Lester and I want to continue to play, this is the place. Well, you, yeah. I mean, you got the defense behind. First of all, Happ's a fly ball pitcher, so half your games are at Bush Stadium. That's the place to be. Mm-hmm. And if I'm John Lester, they found something in me, and I've got this defense behind me. That's the best defense in baseball with yeah. the Cardinals, how they played down the stretch and athletic. Um, I, I would have been fascinated to see what happened with Jordan Hicks this year. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go to the Arizona Fall League, mm-hmm. but he's been pitching and by all accounts, uh, healthy. 
So if you would have advanced in the playoffs, are you adding Jordan Hicks? Now, it sounds like they're going to stretch him out as a starter and see if that is better for him health-wise. Um, in terms of those bats that we're talking about, uh, you know, I think at some point you're going to see Nolan Gorman. Now, whether that's next year, I, I would think his trajectory is taking you towards that. And they have another, you know, something, you know, you think about the now, but you also think about the end of next year and the following season. Jordan Walker, uh, somebody told me inside the Cardinals um, that they said the best we've seen in the last 25 years in the minor leagues, Albert Pujols, Oscar Tavares, and that was it. And then they said, by the way, moving ahead of Oscar Tavares right now is Jordan Walker. Wow. That's how highly thought of this young man is. And he's so young. And I'm not saying he's going to be in the big leagues next year. By no means am I saying that. But you're thinking of the future. And you're thinking about what's my payroll going to look like and where does he fit in. That's something to consider as you go out and make moves even for next year how it affects year two or three of that contract because you do have talent coming. Take it or leave it. Coming your way next with Danny Mac, Michelle, and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Take it or leave it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Cardinals lose last night 3-1 in the National League wildcard game. Michelle and Dan, take it or leave it. You believe in your heart of hearts that the Cardinals missed an opportunity to win their 12th World Championship with a team that was good enough to do so. That's a really good one. And I'm going to take it because I, I kind of feel the same way as Adam Wainwright. If you get past the Dodgers and you slay that dragon and you still have all of this momentum behind you, why wouldn't I think that this team could go on a deep run? I, I, uh, I'm going to leave it with a caveat of everything that you just said. I, I agree with you because, I, I again, I said I, I felt like if they won last night, they go to the World Series. I'm not sure who beats Tampa Bay. So you said win the yeah, World Series. Yep. I, you know, maybe Tampa Bay loses. It's postseason play. Crazy things happen. But I, I pay attention to them. Man, they are loaded. Yeah, they're amazing. They are so good. And uh, I'm not sure who beats them. I could be wrong. I mean, hell, they may lose this week. I'm going to leave it to that gauntlet in it's the baseball. yeah the gauntlet in the National League. If, if you play the Giants, then the Braves, Brewers winner. It's, that team is going to be really tough and really hot. And then, like you say, whether it is Tampa or the Bra- the uh, Astros or the White Sox. Any one of those teams. It, that would have been a very magical run. And I just don't think, as great as the run was, winning 17 in a row, I don't think the Cardinal pitching, starting pitching, would have stood up over the course of October. Take it or leave it. Rob Manfred and the, the powers that be in baseball had a huge sigh of relief last night when the number two <laughs> market beat St. Louis after losing the Yankees the night before. Take it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that they clearly, if you can get New York, Chicago, L.A. in, mm-hmm. that's ideal. However, this market gets in. We're still a, what, top 22 television right. market yep. in the country. I, I'll be... I'm uh, really curious just how high the rating was last night in St. Louis. 
they get massive ratings, massive ratings on Cardinal games on national TV. And that's why the Cardinals always are maxed out on national TV. Now, part of that was you had compelling players. You had Albert Pujols, you had Yadier Molina, you had Scott Rowland, you had all these different guys. You had Big Mac for a while that everybody in the nation wanted to watch him. And they're an entertaining club, and the Cardinals are, their fan base is spread out throughout the country. So I'm with you. I think that those, the, if you're a sports uh, league, you want to see, you know, those three markets get in. However, they get massive ratings in St. Louis. It's not as, I don't know how I'm trying to put this. Well, I, I mean, if, you, if you're going to national, second, they're just a national brand, well, even though it's it not is. a big market. Nationally, a lot of people probably hate watch the Cardinals too mm-hmm. because of maybe so the way that they've been a, you know, a thorn in baseball side during the postseason. Devil but Magic will do that. I, we see that all the time on social media when the Cardinals get on a roll. So I think nationally a lot of people hate the Cardinals, but they'll tune in. Take it or leave it. A CBA will be in place by the deadline of December 1st gonna, for Major League Baseball. I'm going to leave that. Because it's baseball. They'll get in their own way. I'm going to leave it too, but I'm going to say that they have an agreement by the start of spring training. Yeah, I think I lean uh, towards that, unfortunately, because I think coming out of the, the pandemic, it's so important if and when we come out of it that now that we have fans coming back to the ballpark and there's 100 percent capacity right after Thanksgiving is when a lot of teams are promoting the star that they just signed or their ticket packs or the momentum of marketing their team around Christmas time and around packs mm-hmm. and around all those right. things that you Good get point. season tickets. I think that they need to think beyond just, okay, well, here's the deadline. Well, we didn't get it in that deal. Okay, we'll get it by spring training. I, I You got to get it done now. And as negative as last year was, last summer, and baseball, man, it was a Mike Tyson prime black, black eye to, you know, getting hit by that right hook in a black eye. I mean, you got punched. The fans were not happy, and I understand why. It was an ugly, ugly look for baseball. I just don't think you can have that. That's why I don't have confidence that they'll get it done, because they couldn't read the room during a pandemic. Why will they change their approach? (laughs) A couple of texts on 101 ESPN. Emily, what do you got? From the 314, take it or leave it. Once the wild card game is over, they should restructure the seating based on record to avoid two 100 game winners playing each other in the first round. Leave it. I, and I, like Dan said, I don't think that they'll have the single game wild card. But in this particular scenario, I believe there has to be a reward for winning your division. And, uh,. Penalty for not winning your division. I would agree. And whether that's home field advantage or more time off to set up your rotation going into a series and postseason play, I think that's part of it. Um, But also looking at the CBA and how it works, you got to stop tanking. Like you got to make it, you got to have a floor of your your salary so that at least you have some teams that, that you look at and you go, man, who are these guys? I mean, There are teams at the end of this year, I was looking, I'm like, who are these guys? 400 (laughs) lost teams. Yes. That's not good for the sport. You need to have better competition within the the long haul of a regular season. Off of that one, from the 314, take it or leave it, there will not be a team with 100 wins plus winning the World Series this year. What what was Tampa Bay? I'm going to look that up. Tampa had, I think they went 162. Okay, I that's the case. So, I think th- I thought they did get to 100. Yes. Yeah, they did. They won 100. So I got three teams still West. left, and one of them has to win. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to say that there's one of them that wins it. Yeah, I will too. I'll take that. Yeah. 
How many? I'm, a, I'm going with the White Sox. I'm all on the TLR train. How many wins did they have? 93. Okay, so no, I'm going to leave it. But they didn't really have to play for the last month either. And if Rondon is not healthy, the, the lefty that was really good against the Cardinals earlier this year, I love their first two guys that they got, Giolito and Lance Lynn going in game one, I believe, and then yep. Giolito, and then it's Rondon, if healthy. Um if Rondone is not healthy, though, that would concern me if I'm the White Sox. But it could be a little TLR magic down the stretch. And that is a fascinating series, by the way, yeah. with Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso. That's awesome. Dusty Baker, the first manager to take five different teams Should be to in the, the playoffs. Yeah. And Tony, the first team to appear in the playoffs in five different decades. It's amazing. He's in five different 80s, decades. 90s, wow. 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s. What so he had 83, that? and then the uh, teams with Oakland yep. in the late 80s, then yep. the Cardinals in 96, then again in 2000, you know, early 2000s, and then 11. Yeah, five decades. Wow. Pretty amazing. That is. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Jeremy Rutherford. Our blues insider from The Athletic is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. official walk-up song of our Blues Insider from The Athletic. The one and only Jeremy Rutherford is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, and I love your tune. So weedy, so weedy. Good morning. <laughs> so, Michelle, what's the name of that song? I don't know. Best friend. It's Sweetie and Doja Cat, JR, as Best you know. Friend, as yeah. you know. Doja Cat, dog. <laughs> The Blues let a lead get away last night. I know most of St. Louis was transfixed by the Cardinals Dodgers game, but the Blues took a 3 0 lead against the Wild and then lost in overtime 4 3. I know that a lot of the players that we aren't going to see in just over a week were were playing. Is there any concern at all about that? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that that was a lineup, Randy, that uh, they took to Minnesota that a lot of those guys we won't see in a few days here. But, you know, you want to win. The game up three nothing, especially when you get a Nathan Walker Gordy Howe hat trick. All five <laughs> nine of them gets in a, a fight. He's got a goal. He's got an assist, and you're winning that thing uh, three to two with less than five minutes to go in regulation and lose that. So yeah, it, it burns a little bit, but uh, probably the Blues happy that uh, everybody paying attention to a different game last night. Yeah, for sure, it's officially hockey season, Jr. And I was reading your great work at the Athletic. You have great a, gra- work. a great piece up projecting the Blues opening night line combinations. And can you walk us? through that what do you think that the line combos will be as the blues open the season yeah and let's keep in mind that that's sheer projection there you know we're still uh, a week out from the game on the uh, 16th but uh, you take a look at what they've been doing in the training camp and it looks like they're going to play uh, shen and Buchnevich together as a pair it looks like they're going to have uh, thomas and uh, tarasenko together and of course we know that they'll have Peron and uh, O'Reilly together. So then it's, it's fitting in who's going to be the third guy on those lines. And I think if you look at uh, Shen and Buchnevich, they've had Kairou there in camp in the last preseason game. And, you know, he's going to switch to the left side at times. And, and I think we've seen that. I talked to him yesterday. He said he's really comfortable with that. Uh, the big question to me is who's going to be on the left side of O'Reilly and Perron? Lately, they've had Jake Neighbors there. Everybody's been excited about what Jake Neighbors is doing, but is he going to stick around? Are they going to have enough 
faith in him to keep him around for the season. So I think the lines are starting to come together. The biggest question mark is the, the fourth line. Who's going to make the roster? Who are they going to put together on that fourth line before Oscar Sundquist comes back from his injury? JR, every team, every uh, training camp, every spring training has somebody in a in a uniform with every team, and they go, oh, man, this guy's having a great camp. He's surprising everybody. He may make the team. So who are, who's the, the name or names that uh, has done that with the St. Louis Blues? Yeah, there's two of them, and I just touched on neighbors. And, Dan, just to go a little more in-depth on him, is uh, he's only 19 years old. He's a 2020 first-round draft pick, wow. and I believe I believe he's had an incredible camp. Now, the thing with, with hockey is you can keep those types of guys around for nine games, get a peek at him, but as soon as he plays that 10th game, you know, it, it burns a year on the contract, and basically, you know, he sticks around. And, and so with a guy like Jake Neighbors, he can also go to the World Junior Championships in December. So if he stays with the Blues and you elect to send him to the World Junior Championships, he's leaving your team for two or three weeks. So that's something else to keep in mind. So ultimately, do they continue to give a, a look at Jake Neighbors? You know, I think they will, but there's always that off chance that they say, you know what, go down and dominate junior hockey again so we'll see what happens there and then the other big one i'm sure people are interested in scott perinovich does he make this team i think you know at this point of camp guys that you know they've seen what they've seen from jake wallman of course they know what they got in robert bortuzzo nico mika mikola has looked pretty good i think there's a good chance that scott perinovich does get sent down to the american hockey league gets some games under his belt, plays more regularly, and then they bring him up later in the season. You know, he's looked good. He's been phenomenal, but I think there's still a chance they send him to the American Hockey League. JR, we all loved what we saw from Dakota Joshua last year when he got an opportunity with the Blues, and you project him as the Blues' fourth-line center, and he seems to fit exactly what Craig Bruby wants in that role. Yeah, definitely. And he had another good game uh, last night in Minnesota. And I think they like him at that position. And look, it might only last until Sunquist comes back, which could be a month into the season. He, of course, had the knee surgery and he also had hip surgery while he was out. Um, so he's going to be back soon. And you know he's going to have a spot in this lineup. Uh, but in the meantime, Dakota Joshua is a big body who plays physical can be on your penalty kill, and Craig Bruby absolutely loves him and trusts him. So, you know, maybe if he doesn't have a great camp, he'd be on the outside looking in, but he's filled the role I think that they need. And I think that he'll be one of the 14, and I think there's a good chance he could be in their lineup to start the season. Jr., how would you describe what you've seen out of Vladimir Tarasenko to this point? Yeah, really good, Michelle. I think that, uh, you know, it's preseason, so that's the one thing you have to keep in mind. I mean, if you're watching the practices, you're watching the games, you know, it, it's not like he's putting two in the net, you know, every practice, uh, every game. But but I think it's a situation where he's in good shape. He's in good spirits. You know, we got through the whole awkwardness of he's still here. Um, you know, to me, that's still a little bit surprising. But Doug Armstrong doing what's best for the team is going to wait for the the opportunity to trade him, whether that's uh, two more weeks or two more months. But in the meantime, this looks like a guy who can help you. And, you know, let's look at the other side of it for a minute. We, we've continued to talk, myself included, about three shoulder surgeries. You know, how can he recover from this? But the last surgery he had was the stabilizing surgery. So, you know, what if he comes out and playing on a line with uh, Robert Thomas can, can be that type of guy? So, you know, I think when I look at the Blues top nine, really, really deep right now, uh, I think they look good at forward. And if they can get any, you know, player that resembles the Vladimir Tarasenko of old, this could be a really potent group of forwards. Bennington has got to get back to being Bennington. I thought at times last year he was. How's he looked in camp? 
Yeah, really good. You know, I think with uh, goalies uh, like him, Dan, in the preseason, you, you want to see him, um, you know, in that, that 60 minutes where he's just uh, electric because he's got to – He's got to ramp up as the season goes on here in terms of getting through the preseason. But I think with uh, just the ten bell saves, you know, just you know, he's made some saves where you say, "Wow, you know, that's that's the starting goalie, you know, that the Blues are hoping for." So what I see is a calm, cool, relaxed guy who knows that he can get the job done, and a guy who uh, wants to be the leader of this team now that he's got this uh, six-year contract. JR, you wrote several times last year about Clem Coston, and he is not having a great camp. Here he is now. This is his the, the fifth year that he's been in the Blues organization. What sort of a runway does he have to show something? Yeah, this is kind of disappointing. But yet, you know, I agree with you, Randy, and I've said that and written that, that, that Clint Costin doesn't stand out to me in camp. And you would think after winning the, the championship in Russia and coming over and this being his best chance to make this Blues roster, and there's opportunity there that he's got to seize it. And I just haven't seen that. But I, I think he played okay last night. And perhaps they do keep him around because they don't want him to say, look, this isn't working. I'm going back to Russia. I think there's still a player there. I really do. And, you know, I don't know if you send him to the American Hockey League, if he's going to have that same optimism and, and decide to stick around. So uh, to me, uh, he's been okay. He can be better. Maybe he makes this team. It, it boosts his spirits and, and he does play, play, play better. I don't know. Uh, but to me, I was expecting a guy who just came out like gangbusters with this opportunity and haven't necessarily seen that. JR, always love hearing from you. Thanks so much. Great work and great work at The Athletic as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks, guys. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to preview tonight's big Ram Seahawks game. No, we aren't. <laughs> you even had me for a second. Tonight. Uh, Do we, they play tonight? Yeah, by contractual obligation, oh. we have to air that game. I'll be all over that. Remember when the Rams were terrible and we would say, at least they play Seattle hard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Remember it was the it was the one shining light in a really really bad stretch of Rams Rams really footballs. Was. They always played Seattle hard. Yeah. Hey, we want to hear from you coming up. Your uh, your emotions after last night's Cardinal loss to the Dodgers. Use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text six five seven eight zero. Cardinals knocked out this year. So all in all, how are you feeling about it? You're next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we just want to know how you're feeling. After uh, last night, season's over, 163 games for the Cardinals. They make the playoffs. They do have a 17-game winning streak. They do overcome losing 80% of their rotation for a good part of the summer. But they lost. They, they lost the wild card game, and they are eliminated. So we want a little bit of emotion from you. Just want to know, get, get, a, get your temperature this morning. Can I tell you what I'm feeling today, guys? Yeah. Today feels like a big carriage turning back into a pumpkin energy. Like, this, like it was the stroke of midnight, and boom, everything's over. They were on such a magical ride, and it just felt like with with the walk-off last night, the rug was pulled out under you. You're back to a pumpkin. 
The uh, 618, I, I think this is a good text. One of the most roller coaster seasons I can remember. Winter, we heard going to evaluate the out- outfield, no big signings, then get Nolan. Then the season started, quote, not great. June happened, injury, 17 win stretch. Uh, then not great. To lose in a walk off. Uh, feels like the most drama-filled season up and down we've had in a while. I would agree. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, ups and downs this there season, was, that's yeah. for sure. It was a roller coaster. And I wonder how people are feeling this morning because the Cardinals had had it there for the taking. It's not as if they got smashed by the Dodgers. They had right. their opportunities to win that game. They proved that they were right, right there with a team that won 106 games. They easily could have won that game last night. Do you guys agree with me that everything that's important that needed to be evaluated has been evaluated either on, a, on the plus side or the minus side? I, I think they know everything they need to know about everybody on this roster. I have one question, and that's about Jack Flaherty. About if he can remain healthy, if he can be the number one one. ace of ace. If you're going to pay him all that money, you better be sure he's going to be the guy. And I don't know. I can't, if I'm John Mose, like 100% say I know. Yeah, you know, he had the three outings at the end of the year. The first one I take with a grain of salt. He didn't go on a uh, rehab assignment, and he's pitching against the Cubs. Um, And you're just going out there to see if he's healthy. But to your point, Michelle, I think that's 100%. That might be my number one. Uh, question going into the offseason. Uh, I'd like to think he's healthy. I mean, you wouldn't have put him on the postseason roster or even thought about trying to get him ready for this postseason unless you felt 100% comfortable saying, hey, he he's checking out physically okay. So maybe we should just say on one side, let's make sure he's healthy, right? And then the other side would be, is he really healthy? I mean, what, what are you going to get? I mean, was he there? Was the arm slot down a little bit to compensate for the shoulder? Where's the velocity? Um, so I'm with you. Uh, to your point, though, Randy, I mean, like this time last year, you were trying to figure out, is Bader a guy? Is Tyler O'Neill Certainly mm-hmm. Tyler O'Neill. What kind of player is Dylan Carlson going to be? Well, you know your outfield going next year. And Williams and Dean were in that mix, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was never sold on that. I wasn't either, but they wanted to evaluate him. Yeah. And they and they, and now you did. they know. And you did. Now they know. I would love to see a veteran bat of some sort of an outfielder. Lefty bat coming off the bench. I love Newbar. I, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I I wonder what the organization feels like with a guy that young that he's not going to be in your starting three, barring injury. Is he better off going in the minor leagues and continue to play every day? But he's a guy that can help this team right now with his speed. He played mm-hmm. very good defense, and he gives you competitive at bat. And you, even though they're young, you can give guys days off and give each of those guys 450 at bats. There's enough at bats in an outfield to do that, and a DH, right? Oh, so yeah. maybe. But that's, I mean, uh, as I look at DH next year, I'm not saying Lars Newbar, but maybe that's where you put an outfielder and say, okay, you're the DH today and Lars, you're going to go start and you rotate some guys. That's one way to approach it potentially. Here is Chris with a mic drop. I genuinely don't understand and I need someone to explain it to me. All right. How in that situation, given his second half, you go to Alex Reyes. You literally could have gone to anybody else and it would have been fine. You could have gone to KK. Mm-hmm. You could have gone to Dakota Hudson. Sure. You could have called Ponce de Leon and he would have come back. Well, no, that wasn't going to happen. I I don't understand. Why not have Matt Carpenter coming in pitch? Well, that's not going to happen like, either. 
I just, someone help me out, please. Sure. Yeah. No problem. Randall? All right. So <laughs> here is the group that you had to choose from. You yeah. had Henesis Cabrera. Uh-huh. You could have pitched him. You could have pitched to Jack Flaherty. Uh, you could have pitched Dakota Hudson, as he said, uh, as Chris said. You could have pitched KK. Uh, or you could have pitched Miles Michaelis or Andrew Miller those and Whitley. They were all down there. Obviously, in terms of physical attributes and stuff, the guy with the best stuff is the guy that they used, Alex Reyes. He did have a bad September. And I, I actually questioned it more in regards to if they get into a bottom of the 10th or 11th, who's going to get the 27th out? I'm still at that stage. I'm going to use Alex Reyes in that game, but I don't disagree with Chris about using him there. I don't think you wanted to use Alex Reyes. If you would, let's say you would have gone out, use somebody else, and you're tied, and then you pick up the lead. I don't think he would have gone with Alex Reyes to save that game. So if you're going to use him, you use him there. And I'm sure part of the thought process was, okay, it's Chris Taylor at the plate. He's eight for his last 72. He was awful Mm -hmm. down the stretch. He was dealing with a bad neck. He had gone on the IL. And by the way, he was hitting 204 against breaking pitches this season. My guy's got a pretty good breaking ball, and he's going to show it at some point. Me personally, that's not the pitch I would have thrown. I I love Alex Reyes with a fastball. He was hitting 267 against the fastballs. And I think what he's thinking is, you know what? Alex Reyes is going to get me this out. And then if his spot comes up, which he was four away from, we're going to pinch it and we should be covered with other guys. You would have been plenty covered. Maybe Whitley was your closer. Maybe it would have been Henesis Cabrera, probably either one of those two. And then if you would have gone long into um, extra innings, you should have been covered with Michaelis and KK and others. Hudson. Hudson that were starters. So that's that's my thinking of what Mike was thinking at that point. Um, But I understand it. I mean, Alex had had a tough stretch and um, it just didn't work out. I was telling you guys this during the break. By the way, Michelle, real quickly. Yeah. Really, the big thing, though, is McFarland walking yeah. Bellinger. That's, That's right. the one that is even more so. Well, it's not more so than the home run. It's but egregious. You, you, yeah, you, that you can't cannot get lost walk him this. in that spot. You I cannot like walk him there. Everyone wants to go to Reyes because he's the one that gave up the home run. But you're exactly right, Dan. That cannot get lost in all of this is the walk of Bellinger, yes. which was massive. But I told you guys this during the break. Jason Stark had an interesting note last night that Alex Reyes including the home run last night, had given up 10 home runs this season. Five of them, five, had come since September 5th. Interesting. And yes, you are looking at the numbers from the opposition and thinking about your chances there, but also you need to know your guy up and down and look at the trends that you're seeing out of Alex Reyes recently. And I think a lot of people at home watching didn't feel that great about him coming into that situation because of what they had seen out of Alex Reyes in recent weeks. So are you, I think even also is the better question maybe are you better off giving Alex Reyes a fresh inning instead of coming in with runners on? I have not looked at the numbers of when he's come in because majority of the time he was coming in as a closer and starting an inning fresh. Were you better off using him there as opposed to saying, okay, let's bring him in with the game on the line and a runner at first. I mean, that, that you can question that certainly. Um, but I, I, the other part I would be curious about too was of those home runs, I wonder how many of those or how hard was he hit with that slider late in games? 
Guy throws 98 mm-hmm. with good movement and sink. I don't know. I, it's something to think about. Let's get one more mic drop, and this is Steve on 101 ESPN. Yeah, how many of you guys felt that when uh, Reyes come out that that was about to happen? Also, can we talk about, can we stop this uh, Edmundo Sosa train of him being a starting shortstop? The man had three errors last night. I know they only charged him for two. That that second little bobble that was that was in there. He did not mean to do that. Uh, should have been should have been a double play, I believe. But uh, you know, what we gonna do? Just keep hyping up these same guys, these same guys. Let them go. Move on. Come on, build something real. Cardinals so- are going to have a. About uh, $35 million available if they have the same payroll next year as this year. Because Arenado, who was essentially free this year, next yep. year is going to cost about, him. Yeah, about $25 million. Have you put in the Wayno deal for next year already? I have not. That's 17 and a half. So there you go. That's so according, figure, according to reports. Yeah, figure if, with that being the case, then that you're probably at about $20 million to spend which probably doesn't get you Seeger. So if you increase the payroll... Bob Nightingale believes that Seager is going to be a $250 million shortstop. I think it's going to be a buyer's market. I don't think he'll get that much. Um, I think that the uh, mic drop, though, is, was it Steve? Yes. Yeah, Steve is right on one of the big questions going into this offseason is you're going to have to get a DH, potentially, depending on how you want to rotate it. But are you the question the Cardinals have to answer is, did you see enough out of Sosa? Take last night out of the equation, the body of work of what you saw with him, that you feel comfortable going ahead with him being an everyday shortstop, or can you get back to DeYoung where he was? And I don't know if you can answer that question when for the last two and a half years, he hasn't been the player that he was before. So what what are you going to do? Are you going to you're going to trade Paul DeYoung, associate your guy going forward, or uh, are you going to go out and, and maybe try to find a guy? Trevor Story, I don't know. Maybe Nolan Arenado talks to him. I mean, money talks. That's right. what gets people here. But uh, is that somebody you want? Uh, that's the question. And if you get a Seager, a Story, a Correa, that is certainly a physical upgrade. Your ceiling is higher with any of those guys. But is that what you need most? If you're going to spend money this offseason for a free agent, a big-time $20, 25000000 million free agent, is your money better spent on pitching? Mine would be. I think it is. If I was going, I mean, here we are just not even 24 hours after the final game. But watching how this season unfolded, you didn't have enough pitching. And you found out that your defense is elite. So through your studies of analytics and how you evaluate your team and with the fit of the National League and the ballpark, um, who's a good fit for you? And I would probably dedicate that money towards that direction more so than I, I do think, though, they need a bat or two to lengthen the lineup. And Randy, you mentioned Matthew Libertor. Matthew Libertor made the jump from A ball to AAA this year. His final 10 starts, he was exceptional. I mean, he was really good. He figured it out here down the stretch for the car, uh, for the Memphis Redbirds. So there's something there. And now you get a full off season, comes in healthy, stronger. Um, that maybe is a guy that is a piece as well. I would not count him out next year. Something to think about. Michelle, Danny Mac, Randy on 101 ESPN. The fight is coming your way next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Chris Mallman, Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN, and it's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger. Scott is with us this morning. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Good morning, everyone. Why, good morning, Scott. How are you? Good, good. Uh, what are you I, doing? I, I'm kind of afraid of the somber mood in the studio this oh, morning. Oh, no, so. no, no, no. Come on, baby. We're, we're all good. <laughs> are you uh, Are I was you afraid upset? you'd... Oh yeah, I'm just just down. Yeah, kind of like everybody in town. But I, I was just afraid you would take it out on me and uh, pull out the encyclopedia and ask me questions about the 1969 Minnesota North Stars or something. Well, that's interesting that you said that. Our first question does involve the 19. 19- no, um, <laughs> what do you do for a living, Scott? Uh, and and it I, allows you to listen to this fine program. Well, uh, the fight, I always catch it on my commute to work, but I'm an office manager for a law firm in Clayton. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, Scott, and good luck to you. Okay. Thank you. Question number one. On this day in 2012, Drew Brees broke the NFL record for consecutive games with a touchdown pass, 48, set by who? Is it Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, or Dan Marino? Oh, I'm going to say Johnny U. All right. Uh, number two, which was the last National League team to win consecutive World Series? Was it the Cubs, the New York Giants, or the Reds? Uh, that would be the Big Red Machine, I believe. 74 and 75. Mm, Scott. Well, right. you got half it right, but yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> good job. So let's leave the let's leave that part out. Yeah, of it. leave sure, the years sure. out. It's all good. It's all good. All right, Scott. Former Cardinal Lance Lynn will get the start for the Chicago White Sox in Game One against the Astros tonight. Who did Lance Lynn sign a one-year deal with in 2018 after his time in St. Louis? Was it the Yankees, the Twins, or the Rangers? I'm pretty sure it was the Twins. And the last time a team hit a walk-off homer to clinch a postseason series was when the Astros walked off the Yankees in 2019, sending them to the World Series against the Nationals. Who hit that home run? Options. Oh, Jose Altuve. (laughs) No, 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 hold on. Was it Jose Altuve, (laughs) Carlos Correa, or George Springer? I forgot to give you the options. Oh, I, I don't know this one. I'm going to have to say Springer. If he knew it was no lifeline, do we get him two points? No kidding. I should have done that. Man. Wait, look at Randy standing in the window holding up a DDP, a Diet Dr. Pepper. Come on in, Randall. The Diet Dr. Pepper move, Randy? What is this signaling? That you're locked and loaded? Don't look at the paper, Randy, as you yeah, pass it, me. But it signals as if the game ended at 11.30 last night. Oh, yes, that is true. It was a late a late night for it all of us. It was a late night. And it was later for Dan than it was for me. So, Dan, you deserve credit, man. You're, you're a, a gamer. gamer. Oh, I, yeah. This is tough stuff. Yeah. Talking sports early well, in the morning. So we, we, I got to bed at 1130. You guys got to bed much later than I did because you stayed up or uh, did a postgame show at Valley, which was, by all accounts, great. Apparently, so, you didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> I 
I saw a lot of it on the interwebs. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you Thank it. you. You got it. Randy, say good morning to Scott. Hey, Scott. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Uh, I've been better. Oh, you know, yeah. it's a tough, tough game. But hey, the Blues start next week. Illinois is going to beat Wisconsin Saturday. Stuff, uh, you know, headed in the right direction. <laughs> love it. That's I what love, we like I too. love that optimism, Scott. Yeah, great thing. Okay, Randy, are you ready, sir? I'm as ready as I'm going to be, I guess. Okay, well, the DDP is flowing through your veins, so you got a little boost here. Mm -hmm. On this day in 2012, Drew Brees broke the NFL record for consecutive games with a touchdown pass, 48, set by who? I am going to think that uh, that was Dan Marino. Which was the last National League team to win consecutive World Series? The Cubs. Oh, yeah, no, I, don't, no, no. I don't need any of that. Oh, yeah. I don't need any of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that we can I'm a little just, tired uh, this morning. I, I, I forgot. It. Yeah. It's I, okay. I didn't give yeah. Scott uh, options on really? the fourth question. That and then they. you showing yeah. respect, though, to Scott's skills. Well, yeah. he's really good. But you guys were looking at me a little funny, and then I forgot to do the non-stuff with you. Whatever. Just I, guess. I'm going to go with the 75-76 Big Red Machine oh, my. Cincinnati Reds. My. Okay. It's going to be my All right, Randall. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Grady, former Cardinal Lance Lynn is going to get the start for the Chicago White Sox in game one against the Astros Linner. today. Oh, Lance Lynn. Who did Lynn sign a one-year deal with in 2018 after his time with St. Louis? I believe that he signed a one-year deal with the Minnesota Twins and then got traded to the, uh, the Junkies at the end of that season. You know, I broke that story. You did? Yeah. Oh, some scoops? I, I did. I had a, a good scoop. I was texting with Lance. I said, come on back to St. Louis. He said, I would, but I just signed with Minnesota. <laughs> and I said, now, wait a minute. Can I break that? He goes, yeah, go ahead and put it out there. I said, okay, thanks. Awesome. I was down in Jupiter having a little lunch and put it out on the That's Twitter webs great. and it went out. Was awesome. it on the scroll on ESPN reported by no, Dan No, and they should have <laughs> scoops with DannyMac.com That's reported. Right. That's come right. on. I can't believe yeah. they didn't credit you. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Are you ready for number four, Randy? I guess so. All righty. The last time a team hit a walk-off homer to clinch a postseason series was when the Astros walked off against the uh, Yankees in 2019. You remember that? Was, you, well, I'm not done the, yet. Do you remember that? I think I do, Okay. Yes. It, it 2019. That stadium was buzzing. It sure was. <laughs> Where's a trash can? Yeah, that's right. That sent them to the World Series against the Nationals. Yes. Well, who hit that home run? I believe he may have been wearing a buzzer, as a matter of fact. I think it was Jose Altuve oh. against Aroldis Chapman. Okay. All right. We have a tie, gentlemen. Oh we have a tie. Scott and Randy both getting three correct, which means we're going to the tiebreaker question. Scott, here is how this is going to work. I will read the question. Randy's going to write down his answer on a sheet of paper. We're going to give you first crack at it. You're going to tell us your answer. Randy will reveal what he has written down. First to get it correct or closest to the pin is our victor. Scott, are you ready? Yes. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, boys, here's your tiebreaker question. How many points did Keith Kachuk have in the 2006, se in, in the 2006 regular season? I just Ron Burgundy'd that, so let me do it again. <laughs> How many points did Keith Kachuk have in the 2006 regular season? Are we doing 05-06 or 06-07? Good question. Thank you. I like it's going to make a difference. Let me triple check. Hold on one second. Oh, I was just boy. texting with our next guest, David Perron. Oh, okay. What a flex. Oh, my. Yeah. 
Too bad. Um, I can't do this right now. I'm texting with old DP 57. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the 0607 was. Okay, I'll. Uh, Ra- Randy is doing some calculations yeah. while Emily looks this up. Uh, do the calculations, please, Randall. <laughs> Okay, Randy, now you do have the right to change that. No, I'm not going to change it. Okay, so Randy has shown... Dan, like, Emily, and I. It doesn't matter what year. It's you don't remember what year. everyone. Okay. Thank you, Emily. That? So here uh, is the tiebreaker question. How many points? Well, you could be thinking it was a lockout year. Could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many points did Keith Kachuk have in the 0506 regular season? Scott? Um, I'm going to say 89. 89. Randy? I'm going 72. I'm thinking 36 goals, 36 assists. All right. Is it Scott or is it Randy? Who gets the walk-off today? Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Win, 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 win. Danny is furious. He was very much pulling for Scott. Just win, baby. Oh, Randy, just without him. <laughs> Scott. It's Excellent not funny, fight. Scott. Excellent fight. <laughs> you got three correct, but Randy got you on the tiebreaker. So uh, Drew Brees broke the NFL record on this day in 2012 for consecutive games with a touchdown pass. That record was set by Johnny Unitas. Johnny U. Dan. Oh, uh, which was the last National League team to win consecutive World Series? It was the Big Red Machine, Cincinnati, uh, 1975 and 76. Lance Lynn signed a one-year deal in 2018 with the Minnesota Twins after his time in St. Louis. And the last time a team hit a walk-off homer to clinch a postseason series. Uh, Astros walked it off against the Yankees in 19, sent them to the World Series against the Nats, who hit that home run. It was Jose Altuve, a two-run homer, and the Astros won it 6-4, to four, and that was off Aroldis Chapman. And the tiebreaker question was this. How many points did Keith Kachuk have in the 05-06 regular season? Scott guessed 89. Randy Carricker guessed 72. The correct answer, gentlemen, was 36. Mm. 36 points is it? That's what the sheet <laughs> I said. I 36 goals. Yeah, wow. that's what the sheet said. So Randy was closest to the pin. He is our winner. Scott, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome day. Thank you all. Take care. Is that a little Phil Collins? Yeah. Okay, no, well, that wasn't Phil Collins. Oh, Genesis? I don't no, think it was. No, that's uh, Peter Gabriel, isn't it? That's right. Good call, Dan. Yeah. Oh, wow. They sound the mm-hmm. same. All right. Uh, we're going to get to uh, David Perron next on 101 no ESPN. <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We are looking forward to another year of Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy also looking forward to another year visiting with Blues forward David Braun, who joins us now on the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well. How about you? Everything's great. Well, good morning, David. It's so great to talk to you again. And first question, how was your offseason? Tell us something fun that you did while you weren't playing hockey. Or I'm, I'm going to say also not playing golf, because a lot of guys play golf during the offseason. Well, then you just got me. I didn't really do <laughs> much else. Um, no, actually, um, we we enjoyed uh, some family vacation early on. Uh, went to California for um, a week. And then we also went down to Big Cedar Lodge in Branson, and we really enjoyed that. Um, it's an area that I had heard so much about, um, but really never got down there. 
so it's, it was a great week uh, there, and then we ended up going back home uh, in Canada. Uh, we live on a lake uh, property there, so uh, it was it was a great summer that way. We enjoyed uh, our time there. Um, so yeah, that's that's about a lot of a lot of time on the water, fishing, boating, all that all that stuff. So David, uh, you've been around the NHL a long, long time, and and you've been through these training camps. Are these like the dog days of camp? Are you getting sick of it, ready to go for the regular season? Yeah, yeah, because we haven't had a, a camp really in like two years. It yeah, seems good like point. Now. So it's almost like a, it's been like two, two or three weeks, but it feels like two months. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's an exciting time. We're kind of getting down to our roster more and more. Um, I, I think we're ramping things up detail-wise, uh, system-wise, things like that. So uh, it's pretty exciting. It's been a tough camp. Uh, it's been a, a really good camp. I think Chief has been pushing us uh, pretty good on the ice. So uh, we're excited to, to get going here. And obviously, a lot of changes during the course of this offseason and dramatic changes from the team that won the Stanley Cup. How do you like what you see in camp and in the preseason games? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to judge preseason. Like, uh, I mean, you can have a, a team that go like, uh, I don't know, six win, zero loss, or go the other way, and then regular season doesn't mean anything at all. So I think for us, uh, what's been exciting is we've seen some young guys really step up, do some good things. A guy like Jake Neighbors. Uh, Perunovic, I think the team has been really excited about those guys. Um, I mean, guys coming in on trial like James Neal, I think he's done a good job as well. So uh, we'll see what's going to happen. There's some tough decision for uh, Doug Armstrong and the coaches to to make. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to get down to our team pretty soon here. David, during the offseason, I'm sure you take some time to reflect on the previous year. So what did you uh, process after you processed last season? What's something that you learned about yourself or about your team? Well, I mean, I think we're going to have to be a pretty resilient this year again. Uh, we're going to face a different adversity challenge as our team is changing. I think uh, it's something as as we're getting a couple of years now from winning the cup. I think the the fans, uh, the team, everyone's going to get uh, kind of antsy a little bit to to get back to that success. And obviously, we want the same as players. So I think there's a um, a high level we need to get to. I think we have to, a lot to do to to kind of show that to uh, to fans, to our management, to coaches, everyone. So um, I think it's going to be important to have a really good start to the season. When you guys report to camp, um, tell our listeners what kind of shape you have to be in. So you go through testing. Uh, what's the testing like? Do you have to do a mile in a certain time? You got to do sprints. You got to do strength tests. What, what do you guys get tested with? Yeah, well, every uh, every team every year is different. Uh, whether maybe you have a new strength coach that come in the organization, uh, new coaches that uh, are going to bring a different test. Um, this year was all uh, we had a couple tests on the ice that we had to do. Uh, they were extremely hard, but at the same time, I think they were pretty smart. Uh, sometimes you have testing that it's almost like the coaching staff and the, the team is is almost testing who's going to just do it. They don't really look at result or anything. They're, just want to see you do the process, kind of get mentally engaged. And uh, But I, I felt like this year was a little bit of both. But at the same time, I thought it was very smart with the right uh, length of time. And so, yeah, like it was just kind of testing different things. I think in the gym, obviously, there's body fat, jumps, uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff, really. But, um, no, I think I think our, our new strength guy that came in last year, his name is Ryan Boyle, is pretty smart, does a lot of good things. And 
uh, everything that he had us do was uh, done for the right reasons. Hey, David, one more thing from me, and that's in regard to Jake Neighbors. You brought up his name. He's 19 years old. There's a chance that he could start the season in the NHL. Uh, Robert Thomas did that a few years ago. You did that as a rookie. If there's one or two pieces of advice that you give those teenagers as they start an NHL career, what is it? I uh, just enjoy the process, and I think he's doing that, to be honest with you. I've been really impressed with his composure uh, on the ice, off the ice, uh, just making the little plays that it seems like guys at times will do when, once they play in the league a few years. So I think he'll be a good good player I think for us uh, for a long time when uh, whenever he, he does make the team, whether it's this year or not. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's exciting time for him. I think he should just cherish every moment. And uh, it's almost like you go day to day at this point in his career, like you – you can't really worry about anything else. You can't worry about scoring goals or any of that stuff. You just do the right thing. You, you're happy to come to a rink. And uh, O'Reilly and I had the chance to play with him uh, last game uh, in Dallas, and uh, we, we enjoyed our time with him. Last one for me, David. Randy mentioned a lot of new faces on the team this year, and a lot of people are really excited to see Sad and Buchnevich out on the ice for the Blues. How are they fitting in? What have you seen out of them so far? Yeah, yeah, well, we are too. I think, I think Sad is the guy's that's going to really get on the forecheck with his speed. He's got the ability to get kind of a, that breakaway speed. He's got the ability to score big goals. Uh, as we, we've we seen in his career, I think last year in the playoffs, he had uh, seven or eight goals um, in, in, in the rounds that they played. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, Bushnevis, I think he's a guy that we're starting to know more, more and more. I like his personality a lot. I think he's going to fit really well with our team. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, still a young player in the league, and he, he's had some really good seasons. So uh, we're excited for him to even take another step and, and keep getting better. All right, David. I miss seeing the Hawks. Uh, do the players miss seeing the Chicago Blackhawks and that rivalry that'll be uh, back this year? Yeah, yeah, we, we did, actually. We did go, miss going to every city, missed uh, going to every building. Like, going to Dallas the other day, uh, personally, it was fun. Like, we, it's one of my favorite cities uh in the u.s for favorite building to play in um and we hadn't been there really in two years so uh, it was fun and uh, we're looking forward to that for sure david perron we know that you have to get to work we always appreciate you taking the time and we'll talk to you next week as the season approaches yeah sounds good yeah i can't wait to talk to you guys next week thanks a lot thank you that is he's like my favorite he's great isn't he we love him you know, when he, do you guys remember when we were talking about uh, everybody's going through COVID, obviously, and he talked about the responsibility, I'm paraphrasing here, but of professional athletes and what sports can mean for people as a diversion. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, this is so important for us to play because we know people need a diversion. They need some entertainment. And essentially he said, I don't care what you're making, but get back on the ice, get back on the field and let's do it for fans. I just, I don't know, man. I get goosebumps thinking about it right now. That's what I want to hear from a professional athlete at yeah, times. He gets it. I it's mean, a- I get it. It's a business, and they got to make their money, and it's a short window. I get all that. But, man, he, he had total understanding of what I think fans and people and what everybody was going through just that enjoy sports that missed it so much. It's refreshing to hear an athlete say something like that but I also think if you're a member of the Blues team that won the Stanley Cup and you were there at that parade you always knew what Blues hockey meant to this city but after that parade I don't know how if you're a player you don't really feel in your bones the magnitude of the Blues and sports in this city and so you understand when we as a collective are going through a tough time that we need something that we love to be a distraction he's 
he's one of the guys, too, that I hope, um, and it's been an interesting career for him, you know, here, gone, here, gone. I'd love to see him finish his career in St. Louis. Yeah, me, too. I, me too. I, and he's still a very productive player. So I wonder if he gets kind of like the Steen contract maybe as a comp. What do you think? I would say so. Yeah, he's a free agent after this year. I would say that uh, he'll be 35, maybe a two-year deal for yeah. uh, probably five and a half, maybe That's two years, 11, 10, something like 11, that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But I'd love to see him finish here. Coming up, we have more of your mic drops, and we have more of your texts, your emotions after the Cardinals are eliminated from the playoffs last night on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Our buddies at the Fastlane are going to be out at Scott Air Force Base next Thursday, October 14th, for a special military appreciation live broadcast from 2 to 6 for service members, their families, and anyone currently on base. It's a special Fastlane Military Appreciation Live broadcast next Thursday from 2 to 6 at Scott Air Force Base, brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. I think we need to address something. Randy, you played the sounder during the fight. Oh, we yeah. Could, we couldn't talk about this because we had to get to David Perron. We didn't want to miss one second with the DP-57. But we were trying to guess who was singing your new uh, winning sounder. Oh, yeah. I went with Genesis or Phil Collins. You guys guessed Peter Gabriel. A lot of people in the text line upset that we didn't know that was Santana. And as we know, Santana doesn't sing, right? So this was Steve Winwood on the vocals. Allegedly, but you mean play that again. You mean tell me that doesn't sound like Phil Collins? It sounds like a Phil Collins song. It does. Yeah, just saying. Mm. You're, you're cool with that. People were very upset that okay. we didn't know There's Santana. A lot of and just to get that, that. Out, of, out, of, out of the way. Remember that musical note because later on in the show it might come in handy. That knowledge might come in handy mm, for you. File that away. There we go. All right. Text 65780, mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature Do on the 101 ESPN app. Let's go to Ben, shall we? You want to know what last night hurt? There's no way around that. But after this season, I will tell you, through that, I am grateful and I am happy that I got to be a part of this year. We got to watch the longest winning streak in franchise history. We got to see multiple players find their way. And if we fill a few of the holes that we have on the field, the Cardinals are going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. I'm excited for it. I wish this season ended differently, but I am so proud of our team. I still love our team, and I always will. And I think next year is going to be a really good year. Ben, positive. I love it. Um I don't know why. I don't know if you feel this way, guys, but I feel, I mean, obviously I'm disappointed with the way the season ended, but it feels different than 2019, feels different oh, yeah. than last year. Um, and part of it is what he's talking about there. You've, you've found out about your young outfielders. You have a star in the making in Tyler O'Neill. Now, he had a tough game last night. I, I really felt those were not the at-bats I saw in the final month. Um I like the core of what they have coming back. I like what they have coming through the system. Um, there's some guys that can be impactful, I think, next year or the year after. So um, I am positive in that regard. It was such a frustrating year. Like, June was really tough. Miserable. It was miserable, is right. Miserable. I mean, historically bad, Michelle. Like, pitching was historically bad for the month. The record was bad. 
the hitting was really bad and they were able to turn it around and the 17 games that they won i don't think it was an aberration now do i expect them always to go out and and win 17 no but do i think that that's more <clears throat> indicative of the team that they can be Yes, yeah. and that's what gives me hope going forward. I'm with you there. Let's get another mic drop. This is Randy joining Randy and Michelle and Dan. I've only got one thing to say about the Cardinals losing to the Dodgers last night. Oh, when the Blues go marching in. Oh, when the Blues go marching in. Go Blues! To mm-hmm. Yeah, talkie season. Drop a glass of scotch and chill out a little bit. Yeah. All right, Dom. There we go. I do think that this team, this Cardinal team, I hope the roster construction, and it will be better next year because we do know about the outfielders. But one of the reasons the Giants were great this year is because they were able to overcome injuries. And when the Cardinals dealt with the Bader injury, for example, that was part of the rough stretch. If they go out... Dan, you talked about getting a left-handed outfielder that can play center field. That would really help this team. Knowing about Edmundo Sosa now, whether he's a bench player or a starter, is really going to benefit this team. If they fortify themselves in case of injuries, nobody can fortify themselves in case of losing 80% of their rotation. Even the Dodgers, they had to go out and get Scherzer and make changes when they lost rotation pieces. But yeah, you, you just go out and get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Yeah, yeah. big right. deal. Right. After Take you lose Trevor Bauer, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. but I do wow. think that if the Cardinals make, and this goes back to Ben's comments, if they make a few tweaks, I don't think they need overhaul or big, huge money pieces. If they make a few tweaks, I think they, that they can be a really good team next year. So you mentioned 2019. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people were very, uh, they had a feeling of disconcertment when they, after that series, because the offense was so stagnant and you just didn't feel like the Cardinals really had a chance and you didn't feel like the offense was where you needed it to be. And you thought that they were going to have to make a lot of moves, even though they were in the NLCS, you didn't feel great about it. Even though the Cardinals lost the game last night, I think a lot of people feel like this team is closer to a contender than the other way, the other end of the spectrum. And I still have some questions about the offense. Yes, we saw them find something within themselves and turn it on down the stretch. But can you give it to, to us consistently throughout the season? What sort of adjustments are going to be made heading into next year? Because it can't look like June and it can't look like what we saw in the first half of the season if the Cardinals are, in fact, going to be a World Series contender next year. And I think they know that. And I think they'll address the first thing I think they'll address is the pitching. Um, and I think what they found out is that they are really good defensively and you find guys that can throw strikes and they don't have to be Max Scherzer. But you can find some good pitchers that know how to pitch and throw strikes that don't come at you know $25 million a year. Uh, that could happen. Now, I'm going to give you guys something else. Um, fast forward a year from now and say that they lose like they did last night. You know what this morning is all about is that's the last time you're going to see Yadier Molina. So, mm-hmm, right. you know, going into next year, yeah. that's, that to me is something of interest to me. That's going to be, and again, seeing is believing, and he may go out and hit uh, 320 and say, oh, I want to come back for another year. You never know what Yachty, but I'm going to take him at his word, and he says next year is it. There's going to be a lot of sentimentality around that team next year, and it could be the end of Wayno, could be the end of Yachty. And it's As tra- players. Not, exactly. Not, not, they're not dying. No, Randy, and I know you love death, but we're not going to go down that road. They're going to live a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are. Okay. Randy, huge death guy. Yeah. Oh, massive. And we're not going to bring up OJ either. 
But um, I, the other thing it is... cuts to my core, Dan. I understand that, Randy, and I, I don't want to talk about your little stupid sophomoric jokes. I'm just not having it this morning, Randall. We're trying to talk Cardinal baseball here. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Come on, let me take a stab at it. So <laughs> the sentimentality of next year and those final two months, let's just say they're healthy and, and assume that they are. Those last two months are going to be pretty amazing, I think, at Bush Stadium. And the, the, the crowds will be huge, should be, because... It, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that say, I took my kid that's three mm-hmm. years old to the ballpark because I said, I want them to be able to say, I saw number four play. I saw number five, uh, 50 pitch. Or maybe I saw number five play too. Yeah, Who you knows? Never know. um, but that is going to be part of the season next yeah. year. And if for whatever reason those guys are back and the team isn't really, really good in 2022, heads will roll. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's go to LAX via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Katie Wu from The Athletic had a fantastic first season covering the Cardinals, and we appreciated her hard work, and we appreciate her joining us this morning on Character Smallman and Danny Mac. Katie, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, Randy, how are you? You know, I'm, uh, you know, meandering through the airport trying to remember what day it is. But, you know, all things considered, <laughs> it's fine. Well, Katie, I feel like anytime we talk to you, you're on low sleep. You're such a gamer with these quick turnarounds. But let's just jump right to the question that everyone's talking about today. What did you make of Mike Schultz's decision to go with Alex Reyes in the ninth? You know, I think there's certainly a lot of it's a lot to unpack there, right? Because ultimately that is the decision that decided the game. However, I'm not sure how much you can put on Reyes in that situation when your offense goes 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. I thought Tommy Edmond had a fantastic game. I thought he did everything right. Paul Goldschmidt, you know, got on base, did his part, and then the lineup was virtually non-existent from 3 through 9. Um, that, that, bodes, that does not bode well for any pitcher in any circumstance. Um, now, if you look at the Reyes decision, a lot went into that. This is Mike Schultz and Dave Roberts played the matchups all game long, as you should in a wild card game. You know, there were there was a lot that played into why Reyes in that situation. And the biggest question I get was, why did they have Jack Flaherty on the roster if they weren't going to use them? It's pretty clear that Jack was only coming in in a clean inning situation. So when you have T.J. McFarland go in and he gets the two guys and walks Bellinger, you look for Reyes because. Chris Taylor doesn't have a lot of success against right-handers, especially against sliders. Alex Reyes does have that wipeout slider that we've seen him had success before, but it still just felt like something else too familiar seeing Alex come in in a high-leverage game, and it almost felt like scripted that he knew it was going to happen. So when Mike Schultz explained it, it was more or less playing the matchups. And look, when, you're, when you need just one out, why burn Dakota Hudson? Jack Flaherty is not coming in in a in the middle of an inning. That's just not something that they're going to do for a pitcher that is normally a starter that you know needs a lot of time to warm up. These aren't guys. Dakota and Jack aren't aren't guys like normal relievers where you could say, "Hey, look, you get ten pitches to warm up and you're coming in." Those are guys that are starters that are the Cardinals have really kind of prioritized their future, so they weren't going to be put in a situation like that. That situation eventually comes down if you're going to play the matchups and play the splits. Dakota Whitley or Alex Reyes. Mike Schultz elected for the slider against Taylor, which Taylor has had trouble hitting all year long. 
on one pitch, and that was the ball game. And Katie, you are so right about us remembering the last thing we saw because with all the credit that deservedly Tyler O'Neill and Nolan Arenado got during the 17-game winning streak and during September, when those two guys, your number three and four hitters, go 0 for 3 and 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position, you shouldn't have to count on your bullpen in a game like that. When your big guys have so many opportunities to get a run across the plate. Absolutely, I agree, and I think uh, the the biggest of that, and, and all of them are important, obviously, when it comes down to uh, the bottom of the ninth with two outs. But the biggest thing for me was Nolan Arnado had a ton of pitches he could have, you know, done something with against Blake Trine in there in those middle innings, and he almost had one. He he popped up a hanger, and he knew that was his pitch that he had missed. Um, it was almost kind of indicative of the kind of baseball that we saw early in the season, right? I mean, the bullpen, I thought, up until the very last pitch was really good. Adam Wainwright did his part, getting five outs from Luis Garcia. You know, he hasn't done that in months. Um, Giovanni Gallegos, putting him in the eighth to face the two, three, four hitters and Fear, Trey Turner and Justin Turner. You know, those are all well-executed moves by Mike Schilt and well-executed performances by those pitchers, especially, you know, counteracting the deep bench that the Dodgers had. But, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what move you make. I mean, you could go out there and put Matt Carpenter on the mound. If you can't get any runners to score, if you cannot contribute and cash in with runners in scoring position, it's especially against a team like the Dodgers that sets you up for what happened in the bottom of the ninth. Katie, when you spin this forward and you look at this Cardinals team, how do you think they're positioned for 2022? And what's a move that you think is at the top of John Mosaic's to-do list? You know, I, I feel like Cardinals fans don't want to hear me say this because the loss still stings, and I get it. But I think they're really poised for 2022. They have young, controllable talent. They locked up their biggest the biggest thing they needed to do before the end of the season. They already did. They lost up Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Their, their heart and soul is coming back. That will pay dividends in kind of forming the, the motivation and the chip on your shoulder that comes from a loss like this, especially with the core coming back. Nolan Arnato said, you know, I'm not opting out. I want to be in St. Louis. Uh, the entire outfield under team control for the next two years, an outfield that does look very, very promising. They should be healthy. You know, they don't really think that any injuries are going to um, kind of affect Jack, Dakota, or Miles Michaelis next year, as we saw so much this year. So to me, you know, I think they're poised really well to unseat the Brewers in the division next year, also with their top two prospects, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor probably poised to come up in 2022 early that bodes well now i think the biggest question they have is is the shortstop right i mean edmundo sosa and paul Beyang made an okay tandem but when you look at the free agency market it, it wouldn't surprise me to see the cardinals be very engaged in that katie one more quick thing and nobody gives us in the media better material than adam wainwright what was your big takeaway yeah. from his post game last night you know i thought it was perfectly fitting how Adam handled it. I mean, he's handled so much controversy and adversity today, and I thought what he said about Alex Reyes was so important. How, you know, he reflected on the adversity Alex has gone through in his career. You know, when you think about what Alex has had to rebound from, his long injuries, the setbacks, and just the, the story that he's had, for Adam to go up on the podium and, and say, you know, very dejectedly admit, you know, I really thought we had a team that was going to win the World Series, and then put that disappointment aside and credit Reyes for what they've done and make sure that the, that the narrative was known outside that, you know, there was no resentment towards Reyes. They still believe in him. They were really appreciative of what he did in the first half, and sometimes that's just baseball. I think Adam Wainwright obviously will be pivotal in 2022, and they have the right guy, the Cardinals did, 
to start that game and they had the right guy speaking on behalf of the team to end that game. Katie, I think the biggest compliment that we can give you from this show is that we use something from you virtually every day during the season. Your work at The Athletic <laughs> was fantastic. We really do. And by the way, we, we credit you for it. But we, we do appreciate oh, <laughs> appreciate your, your hard work and joining us on the station, too. You guys do some fantastic work. I really enjoyed the Cardinals banter this year. Um, I'll, I'm going to take a couple of days off, but I'm sure we'll get right back to it soon. Absolutely. Have a safe flight, safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks, Katie. Katie Wu from The Athletic. And if you haven't gotten your athletic subscription yet, you're late. But she's doing fantastic work covering the Cardinals, obviously. Jeremy Rutherford covering the Blues. It doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. And Katie has a great piece up right now about the game last night. If you feel emotionally ready to unpack it, (laughs) I suggest you read it. It's excellent. You can join Michelle on Friday. That would be tomorrow. Correct. From 5 to 7 at Copper Fire in Belleville. Come out before the hockey game. Enjoy 16 drought taps, all served ice cold. Specialty slushies, including the new Gloria cocktail slushie. It's all happening tomorrow from 5 to 7 with Michelle at Copper Fire in Belleville. Get more details at 101ESPN.com. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101ESPN. <laughs> effort it was a good effort by our cardinals it was yeah good job i don't know if we say good job we say good effort effort. oh you're gonna be that guy huh randall i am totally that's fine yep that's fine it was a good effort by our cardinals it's time for you're killing me smalls well guys i just want to use this segment to touch on some things about last night's game that we haven't gotten to give some shout outs perhaps we mentioned tommy Edmond, but i don't think we've really drilled in on what an excellent all-around game tommy Edmond had last night multiple awesome. hits stolen bases some great defensive plays this is from espn stats and info tommy Edmond is the third player with multiple hits and multiple stolen bases in a winner-take-all postseason game joining lou brock in 1967 and pepper martin in 1934 all three have done this with the Cardinals, but I think in a, in a loss, we don't elevate the good enough. We always break down the bad, and if the Cardinals won that game last night, this morning, we're talking a lot about Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I think Edgar Renteria did it back in 2002, which was the three hits of two stolen bases, but he also made two great defensive plays. Mm-hmm. That sliding play that he made up the middle oh, was yeah. incredible, and then um, as I reflect on the game now, and I think early on, the Wainwright 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded one out with Trey Turner at the plate, to get the double play that Tommy Edmonds started. Man, was that a huge play. A um, few things to think about when I reflect on the first five innings. If you would have told me the Cardinals are going to strike first in the first inning against Max Scherzer, in which when they scored first this year, they were 70 and 24. The fact that uh, I was doing a little digging here during the break, but nine of the first 18 batters that the Cardinals sent to the plate saw five or more pitches against Scherzer. And Max Scherzer, if you would have told me he's going to go four and a third and walk uh, three and only strike out four, I said, you're probably doing some damage. It was there for the taking. Yep. Just didn't just didn't get those uh, key hits when they needed them. You're killing me, Smalls. We talked a lot about Alex Reyes giving up the two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth, ninth to Chris Taylor last night. And Adam Wainwright is one of the two big leaders of this team. Well, three, Matt Carpenter. Let's put him in that mix as well. But Adam Wainwright, who gave a sensational effort for the Cardinals last night, was asked last night in the post game about what he said to Alex Reyes. And I think we should play this sound here. Yeah, I just gave him a, gave him a huge hug. Told him we loved him. Told him I loved him and gave him a... Another big hug and 
just told him how special he was as a player and as a teammate and as a person. You know, it's all you can say in a moment like that. He doesn't probably want to hear any of it, but it's all true. He's a great teammate. He's a great player. He's a great pitcher. He's a great friend, and uh, you know, you hate to see anyone go through that, but he's got an incredible future ahead of him. I can't wait to see what he does next. It's going to be great. My hope, and, and I really do hope that Alex Reyes achieves his goal of being a starter next year. I don't want him being in the situation where he's put in a, in the position of going into a game and having to close it because everybody's going to be nervous. He's going to be nervous. Brad Lidge was nervous, and he, he had been great after he gave up the Pujols home run. Mitch Williams was never the same after giving up the postseason home run to Joe Carter. That affects people. And my hope is, is that his future, Reyes' future, is in the starting rotation. For sure. And that, that's a, a heartbreaking spot for Alex Reyes last night, who has gone through so much. We don't need mm-hmm. to revisit all of the obstacles that Alex Reyes has dealt with, but who seemingly put it together this season was an all-star and then had some struggles down the stretch. And it just broke my heart that it was him. You never want to see anybody be the one to, to give up a home run, a, a walk-off home run in an elimination game. But I hate that it was Alex Reyes. But I just am consistently amazed by what a good teammate and person Adam Wainwright is. We talk to him every week. But, you know, he announced he's coming back next season and that it's likely his last year. So he knows that his amount of time left playing this game and the amount of time left he has to win a championship is very finite and it's very difficult to get to the postseason. And he did his job and this is an ultimate competitor. And to think that in that moment, he's not thinking about himself. He's not thinking about the fact that he's heartbroken, that his team's going home, that he knows that he needs to lift up his teammate and tell him what what that he loves him and give him a hug and that he can't wait to see what he does next. I I just think the Cardinals are so lucky to have a leader like Adam Wainwright. Mm -hmm. He said the same thing uh, essentially after he gave up the the two Sundays in a row to Sutsugo and then uh, Vogelback when he gave up those home runs and those were crushing defeats. I mean, that that could have ended the Cardinals season essentially. And he said, I think it was with you guys asking him, you know, what he's saying. He said, "I, I go up, I give him a hug and I say, hey man, you're one of the best in the world of what you do. Go get them. Um, and I think, Randy, your point is valid. You know, Reyes could come out of the and you mentioned the numbers, Michelle, earlier, where you could come away from this a little bit shell-shocked. Mm-hmm. And, but he goes back into the starting rotation, I would assume, next year. That's the plan. The one thing that he's going to have to be more efficient is in the strike zone no with the lack of he, he's got to there just cannot be that many walks now I thought his command was better at times in the second half in terms of the walks now pitch location like last night on an 0-2 wasn't good but the lack of walks is is got to be something that happens next year if he's going to be a starter that you can count on every fifth day to give you six seven eight nine innings because if, if it's the walk rate he had in the first half that ain't going to fly You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, there's a lot of tentacles and a lot of things to unpack from the game last night, and I'm sure we're going to be doing that tomorrow and in the coming weeks. But Matt Carpenter, that could be the last time that you see him wearing the birds on the bat in a Cardinal uniform. And I thought it was interesting, too, that post-game when Harrison Bader was reacting about the game, he made it a point to mention Matt Carpenter. You know, more importantly, I want to say, too, like, you know, guys like, um, you know, Matt Carpenter, I don't really know what his future holds with this organization, but, you know, Matt's been such a good friend to me for really the second I stepped in um, as a San Luis Cardinal, even on my, you know, my debut, Carp uh, was a guy I gave a hug to after Jed Jerko um, sack flied me in. So, you know, 
obviously just a connection from from the start with that guy and i just wish him the absolute best he's a beautiful family uh, he's been such a good teammate such a legend for this organization and it just means the absolute world to me to be able to go out there and work with him in in any capacity so um you know again you you, you walk out here with your head held high because there's just so many good relationships and so much positivity here there's a couple things I want to say about that. That was with the interview with Jim Hayes on our postgame show yesterday. Jimmy did a great job of hustling and getting. He got John Mozeliak after the game. He got uh, obviously Harrison Bader. And the two things I want to say about Bader: number one, he wasn't asked to go to the podium and speak. He did that uh, and agreed to come out of the clubhouse and visit with Jim after a tough loss. Not all players will do that, so give him credit there. But that the, the answer that he gave had nothing to do, essentially, with the question that Jim asked. It was about something like, hey, moving forward, you guys feel pretty good about what you got. You found out about the outfield. You know, a lot of positives. And he said, yeah, there's positives. I'm paraphrasing. And, you know, we look forward to next year. And this is a tough loss. This is an exceptional game. But I want to say something about Matt Carpenter. Like, he made the point to say that. I I thought that was a – it was. It was just a very classy answer by Harrison Bader. It was well done. It was. And it it makes me – it gives us a kind of a look behind the curtain on the way that this team feels about one another and the camaraderie that they have. They really are a team. I think we saw that during the 17-game win streak, that everybody contributes, everybody was pulling the rope the same way but to think that post game after a devastating loss where you're going home your season is ending that Harrison Bader is thinking about his teammate Matt Carpenter and that Adam Wainwright is thinking about the feelings of his teammate and Alex Reyes I just think in sports especially today's world where it's me 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 a lot that those two things are, are rarities yeah Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Hey, 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to Jason Aldean on Saturday night at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. That's one of Dan's favorites. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's bringing his Back in the Saddle 2021 tour to the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now, but right now, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Jason Aldean Saturday night. And all you have to know is who is the artist that I used as my new celebration for winning the fight? Who was the artist that I used with the song for my new celebration for winning the fight? Do what? we know those specifically? I thought it was like a combo. Uh, Hold on. The, the, I'll person, the person that it's attributed to. All right, then. And what number text are we doing? 48 for okay, Harrison yes. Bader. Yes, good, good. Okay? okay. So the person that it's attributed to, who who is the, when you look up the song, who is it attributed to? Texter number 48 gets a pair of tickets to Jason Aldean Saturday night. Hollywood Casino Amphitheater bringing his Back in the Saddle 2021 tour. We're going to cross things over with Dan towards the Danny Mac show. Come on, we're a country station, too. Are we? Kind of. Sure. We just became one. Okay. We're going to cross things over with Dan next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We want you to know that you can join 101 ESPN for a Blues season preview party next Friday at Copper Fire in Belleville. Blues are kicking off the regular season next Saturday, and to celebrate, we're hosting a day-long live broadcast at Copper Fire next Friday. Come hang out with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, the Fast Lane from 2 to 6, and then a live last-minute Blues podcast with Jamie Rivers, Adi Fandango, and Jeff Burton from 6 to 7, plus special guests, appetizer specials, specialty drinks, and a Blues giveaway every hour Mm. from 11 to 7. It includes your chance at signed pucks, a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey, a Market Street Dream lithograph from 
artist Rick Rush, and much more. 101 ESPN's Blues Season Preview Party next Friday at Copperfire in Belleville. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. And... Here, hand me that, Randy. I'll hand it to you. you. you use that? Okay, yeah. good. There. Good. Thanks. Uh, the song... The texts are in. We'll, yeah. we'll have a winner. The song is by Santana. The song I'm winning is by Santana. You fired off? I just turned off my machine. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, I'm still not convinced it's not Phil Collins on the vocals there. I know but a lot Steve of Steve Winwood. I was thinking maybe he was in it. I, I thought initially it was Peter Gabriel. Got a lot of Peter Gabriels on there. Maybe there's different versions of it. I don't know. But you went with Santana, so that's yeah, the uh, phrase that pays. Official, right. It is. All right, we've got uh, the Danny Mac Show coming up here at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. And, Dan? Yes. The baseball season is over now. Well, for the Cardinals. Well, for the Cardinals. There's plenty of baseball to talk about for the next month. There is for us, but you have no more play-by-play until 2022. That's my point. Yeah. And I want to credit you because... Cardinal fans get such joy out of hearing you and your enthusiasm. And I don't know if people do appreciate the the, the stresses of doing a game, essentially in a, a little studio or a little conference room off of a TV screen. Heck, we heard John Sterling the other night calling uh, what was a single a home run, and he let it go for a long time. I thought in watching and listening to you all season long, that the job that you did not only was great, but it's remarkable in that you were able to do it with such proficiency and such detail and the enthusiasm, which we all love, because I know that that's not an easy job to do. I appreciate it. Seriously, I do. Um, We have a great crew. And I, I'm, and I'll stop talking about it after this. But we have a great crew. This was uh, not an easy season from the broadcast side of trying to pull off games with the COVID situation. Obviously, as fans know, um, we didn't travel, and so we were we were in a small room calling games off monitors. And I would like to think that that's going to change next year. It was adverse circumstances, not just for me, but our entor- entire crew um, trying to get information you know like jim hayes and and erica and scotty and those guys it was was, that's tough i mean when you can't get down there and you're trying to do lineup zooms and use all of your connections to get info as much as you can mike schilt by the way was amazing for us like he was exceptionally uh helpful in in doing things that he did not have to do and he went above and beyond and did that um so it wasn't easy but we got through it and as i always said i mean this is supposed to be entertainment, right? We're in the entertainment business, and yes, last night was a, a very tough loss. And from a fan's perspective, I totally understand that. I'm a fan, too. I grew up here in St. Louis, grew up uh, cheering for the Cardinals. That's a tough loss. But um, the games are entertainment. So we try to entertain. We try to make it fun. Um, I'm going to give you a little news here. So we finished uh, with the great run that the Cardinals had. Uh, Bally Sports Midwest finished number one in baseball in the entire league in ratings. Number one. So, yeah, which was great. I think we were number two, and then they went on that run. I mean, guys, we were getting ratings of, like, peaking at 14 and 15s. Which is unheard of. Yeah. That Chicago series, though. Unheard of. The, wow. the Saturday afternoon game in Chicago with the double play and yeah. the home run by O'Neill. 
to me, that was the for if I'm to pick out my Dan McLaughlin highlights of the season, <laughs> it was that game. It's pretty that, good. The play by or the uh, the play that turned the double play. I don't yeah. think we're ever going to see it again. No, I don't think we're ever going to see 17 game winning streak here again because um, it hadn't been done forever. And it was just a magical run in September. And so to the fans that are listening now, thank you for tuning in because, you know, you, our place is different. I always say this, and now I'm getting a little, you know, off the beaten path. And, and you guys know this. St. Louis is different. This is a wonderful baseball market where fans are passionate and they care night in and night out. So when the team is losing in June, they're upset. But they care. The worst thing you can have is apathy. Mm -hmm. And we don't get that. And when they win, I mean, they're all in and it's fun. Um, I'll give you an example. Like last night, we did the show from Ballpark Village. That place was rocking. I'm sure. It was rocking, man. I mean, people were going bananas. And it was fun to see people back and enjoying themselves. And when people ask me, like, hey, what was your favorite? What do you take away from this season? And I, from the baseball perspective, and we've talked about it this morning, they figured out their outfield. Um, you got Nolan Arenado. You, you, you know, there were some really good things. Wayno coming back, Yachty coming back. But the number one thing I point to is that uh, the fans coming back to the ballpark, I never realized how much we miss the fans. Like this time yeah. last year, we're doing games with your, you guys sitting in the front row in your cardboard cutout, which is fine. Miss those seats. Yeah, those and were great. Mm-hmm. Bader hitting, uh, you know, Fred Bird in the upper deck. <laughs> and that was funny and all that stuff. And we got through it, and that's how we had to do games. But, man, having the fans back, and I, I think what the run did is it reinvigorated the fan base. And it, re- it reminded people that this is fun. Coming mm-hmm. to the ballpark is fun. And it also got people back in the ballpark so that if they hadn't been down there, they were reminded, this is a good time. Yeah. You know, bring your family, go out with your buddies, whatever. But this is fun. And so I, I really believe that that final month is so important going into next season for your ticket sales, your interest, your marketing. Yeah. You know, if you ended with a dud and you and you weren't playing for much and you didn't have great crowd, they didn't have great crowds. They had a lot of tickets right. sold, but not great crowds. This showed me again why this place yeah. is so special to do baseball. And just one quick anecdote: last time we talked to Mark McGuire, it was about six weeks ago, and at the end of the interview, I don't know if it was on or off the air, he asked, "Hey, has has Arenado gotten the treatment before forty five thousand yet?" And we said, "No, it'll happen." He said, "Just wait till he gets the treatment." Yeah. Opening day next year. It's going to be oh, unbelievable. Wayno, Yachty, Oof. Yachty's final opening day. Red mm-hmm. jackets. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, Nolan's going to get that huge ovation. And by all accounts, let's just say we get a CBA in place and everything goes mm-hmm. to plan. You are going to have packed houses next year, which is the way it should be in yep. this town. Yep, absolutely. Great job. We will uh, Thanks be for the kind in. words, guys. I appreciate you it. Well deserved. Great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle, this was, under the circumstances, a lot of fun. Eh. I eh. mean, I to, had fun with you guys. Got off to a slow start. It but wasn't we, fun we, talking we about a loss all no, day, but, but it was fun hanging hey, out with you guys. Hopefully tomorrow we're talking about a Rams loss. Okay. Okay. We'll be back at it. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.